Greetings, everyone. Welcome to the Stacks. This is Jay. And I'm Shanito. You can trust me completely. Shanito. Oh, oh, okay, right, yeah. I I got you. I got a letter from your aunt who says you should give all your money to me. Yeah, I don't know if I trust a letter from any of my aunts in that sense. (laughs) That's okay, I wrote it. You can trust me. Um... This this first film uh, actually does uh, sort of relate to my lineage. It sort of takes place in and around Kiev. Uh, <clears throat> oh, good lord, uh, Kiev, uh, which is uh, you know uh, Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Uh, although it's part of a general Russian Empire in this. Uh, v, our first film, nineteen sixty-seven. Uh, Finally, know how to pronounce it, and yeah, it's V. It's V. Supposedly, I mean, at least based on the ad copy, uh, there I have this version as well as a standalone version from Severin that came out like a year earlier, and uh, they describe it as the first Russian horror film or the first Soviet horror film. Interesting. I I wonder about that because Soviet Union had been around for a while at this point now. And there was certainly a film industry, but I guess this is the sort of movie you could make because it's based on folktales and classic Russian literature. Mm-hmm. So, I I mean, th- that's part of the Soviet film industry is uh, this, this is most film. It, it is made by, you know, Moss Film, one of the major studios, because... Uh, you really only have big major studios. There are no independents. Uh, this is all state run. It's all state funded. Like everything in Russia back in those days, I think. Yeah. I, yeah. I imagine. Well, it's a Soviet Union. It is under yeah. communism. There is no independent capital. Right. So you, you, you couldn't make an indie movie if you wanted to. Well, I mean, I, where would you get the materials? Yeah, like if, you, if you're you, going to make you films, couldn't. you're making films for the state. And it requires that it be within a certain ideology. Uh, you, you can't really uh, criticize anything of the state. So it, if you want to get a film made, like I guess horror is just a harder sell within that government. So th- this one being a classic Russian literary uh, precedent it's uh, a it's a gogol short story i haven't read this specific one but i have read some gogol and it's great oh okay um i like that this one opens with similar to virana with uh, basically yeah this is all folktale it's all made up which is werewolves and vampires have no place in our modern world oh yeah and this is also like actively anti-religion which is kind of an interesting, fun thing for 60s cinema that's clearly big studio productions with, you know, uh, it it has the feel of like a 50s American studio epic, but you would never see one trashing religion like this. (laughs) No, no, our our hero, (laughs) hero, our our guy is a priest. And the whole time I'm watching the movie, I'm expecting him to either A, learn a valuable lesson or be get rescued by God and spoiler <laughs> alert, neither of these things happens. Yeah, no, he sucks. And I mean, he's sort of a reflection of the church as uh, not as too for profit and uh, ha- having no place in 
the the modern Soviet society, even though this is mm -hmm. a period piece, of course, where yeah. it, when the when the church still ruled everything and were like a horde of thieves, <laughs> more or less. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> certainly how they are portrayed in this film. Oh, sure, totally. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're also portrayed like so many films. So many portray all priests as like. If you're going to be a priest, you have to be like a godly man. You have to be above everyone else. Even if you're one of the pedophile priests, you still have to have like a certain quality. These are frat boys. Yeah, th this is just a big job. Everybody's got this job. We are priests. Uh, the This is uh, a career path. <laughs> <laughs> a career path that maybe not a great one. Maybe they uh, maybe not one they chose. No, but an easy one, one mm. that you get free room and board and you True. get to go to people's houses and, hey, say, give me a place to stay. Give me some vodka. Uh, <laughs> and people will mostly just do that for you. <laughs> I'm a priest. The Catholic Church says you gotta. And and in a lot of times, in a lot of cases, you're just not going to have any actual thing to do. <laughs> you know, it, yeah. you, it's, it's rare that you're going to be forced to work unless you're at the uh at, at the mission or whatever you know at the at the college where everyone's hanging out with the crusty dean like if the crusty dean comes by you better be working this is, <laughs> this is absolutely a college movie with the college boys trying to evade the crusty old dean who wants them to do religion properly oh it's incredible it's like if uh, Animal House uh, turned into uh, like an 80s monster movie. Oh, I still haven't seen Animal House, if you can believe that. I mean, I, I don't know how good it would be on a first watch in 2023, but... <laughs> I've heard some things about it's, it. It's got problems, but I mean, there are <laughs> there's stuff that's really funny. And I mean, Belushi is really funny in that movie. As Bluto <laughs> Blutarski, who... I mean, that that's one of the great... <laughs> post-credit sequences because it's one of those uh what everyone went on to do and obviously he became a senator right <laughs> <laughs> of course so uh some some important credits in this movie uh first uh directed by konstantin ershov and georgi or georgi uh kropachev uh from my understanding they don't seem to have really directed much else oh that's a shame because this movie's fun. I mean, it's it's so good, and I think it, it, it's sort of emblematic of what I was saying. How it, it is the big studio system where it is state run. So anyone, you know, the, these are like first time directors. They didn't really do other stuff, so they still had the whole system. They had like major important uh, people involved here. So. Uh, Alexander Petushko does the effects. The effects in this are really good. They are so good. They are, I mean, state of the art for the era. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, Petushko is himself a really major uh, Russian director, like already at the time, probably very famous. Uh, he did uh, a big series of huge historical epics based on classic Russian folktales. So you oh, can cool. kind of see how this could get made and get yeah. all this backing. Um, so I've got a bunch of his films in the stacks waiting. There's like 
the tale of Zars Sultan. Uh, there's, oh, I can't remember. There, there's a bunch of them that have recently come out from Deaf Crocodile uh, oh, cool. that I've been meaning to dig into. I've seen all of them uh, through Mystery Science Theater initially <laughs> because they came out in really terrible English dubs for television that are just like heavily cropped. But you can see even in those like the the production value of these looks like they're incredible. Like, how did it end up this way? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so also notable music by uh, Kachaturian, uh, a K Kachaturian, uh, who's uh, not quite the most famous Kachaturian. There's kind of a very famous family, but, you know, an actual major classical composer of the, of the era in Russia. Oh, oh, cool. Which th- that's kind of astonishing that, and I guess that's just sort of the way they did this in uh, the Soviet Union is like, if you're a big classical composer, that's who you get to score your films. Whereas everywhere else in the world, you try to hire a classical composer to do a film score. It's like, no, <laughs> Stanley Kubrick tried to get various composers for several of his works. And they're like, we don't have the time for that. <laughs> film? Come on. and that's kubrick these guys are just random first-time directors and it's like okay well we'll get kachaturian and he's one of the major uh uh, it's karen kachaturian uh uh, also a theatrical director but yeah just a you know major composer of the era uh was awarded the order for merit to the fatherland fourth class oh wow (laughs) (laughs) i wonder what that's and that's in 2007, so like well post uh, uh, this era. So you know, just oh. someone who has remained notable, I suppose. Interesting. Okay, because yeah, this this feels like like kind of like a silly, kind of like those like Disney fairy t- live action fairy tale movies at the time, but mm-hmm. better. Well, also heavily satirical, like very oh, yeah. very tongue in cheek. Uh, one of the Actually, things. That- What's please? Actually, this more, this more reminds me of like a much better version of the first Yokai Monsters film. Yes, it has a real hundred monsters vibe to it, especially the way right at the end a hundred fucking monsters show up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it it works better than that one because Yokai Monsters promises a hundred monsters at the beginning, but you don't get them till the last few minutes. Here, you get the same monsters in the last few minutes, but you weren't promised any, so this is all like, holy shit. Yeah, you were promised a monster, V, and he does show up, and he's awesome, and he's really creepy, and he has (laughs) fucked up eyelids that really gross me out. (laughs) Help me with my eyelids, please. (laughs) (laughs) Gross. Uh, But also, you're you're given a whole bunch of really cool supernatural stuff along the way first, which mm-hmm. you don't get a whole lot of in 100 Monsters either. You get some. You get some, just nowhere near as much. And this, just everything is just perfect. Like, it, it really is uh, pitch perfect each point. Like, I love each moment. Like, the escalating haunting over the three nights mm-hmm. is so incredible. Yeah, and, and even everything, like, up building up to the haunting like uh when he first encounters the witch and he's taken for the flight right oh i love that so much that's probably <laughs> my favorite effect in the whole movie <laughs> i i miss we'll, we'll get to it but mm. i mistakenly thought it was green screen 
Oh, right. Yeah. And it's I just not assumed quite. it was. Not <laughs> it, quite. It seems to be a moving background, I believe. Uh, so one other thing before we move on from the credits, uh, one of the things that's kind of fun, uh, again, it being Moss Film, it's the Soviet Union, no first names. Really? Or almost no first names. They're almost all like uh, the first initial and the last name. Uh, very few first names given. I think the only one is Alexander Tushko. I actually didn't notice that. <laughs> yeah, it's a kind of no, uh, something just kind of fun. It, not un- not unusual for Soviet cinema, where it's just like, hmm. I mean, you're just one of the workers on this film. I guess, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the, as we said, it opens up at just chaos at the seminary college. And it is just <laughs> college. It, it's like, as you said in the text, uh, one of those huge fucking renaissance paintings where there's just a million things going on and you just zoom into it and see all these things happening yeah yeah it's like you're just expecting someone with a ghetto blaster going schools out for (laughs) summer it does seem to be a spring break movie (laughs) (laughs) yeah except it's unclear how much time passes before he goes back to the seminary no i I, he he has a hazy time of it obviously i think it's just a one night affair it would it would have to be but it like this feels like they're getting let out for like some summer vacation or something maybe it's just the weekend this is every weekend (laughs) Uh, i can see it that really makes it feel like animal house honestly (laughs) (laughs) it's like everybody is dirt poor but every time you see like the background of the seminary it's like palatial russian architecture it's magnificent uh because that's where all the money went to the the church took it all and i mean it is meant to be (laughs) opulent and like oh (laughs) hmm. even like the rich the wealthiest man in town his house that we see later on is like rocks and straw compared to this church oh yeah although his own little church is incredible i mean it feels like just this ancient domicile full of classical russian jesus iconography which is so angry looking Uh, that's a yeah that's a different kind (laughs) of incredible that is a hardcore church yeah one of those it, it feels like just one of those really eerie gothic churches like uh i dare you to spend three nights of this church kind of church uh, yeah you know the the plot of the film <laughs> yeah <laughs> so oh one of the things i really love in the whole mass chaos there there there's a bunch of them playing with a goat and they're having it try to read the bible but it's trying to eat the bible <laughs> yeah they're like come on rector you read the yeah. bible yeah, they're, they're calling the goat rector <laughs> I, I really love goats, just the expressions goats have. They they always look really sarcastic and done with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh so yeah, it's it's trying to eat the Bible. I'm like, Rector, read it, read it, Rector. <laughs> you just zoom out. Every like there's a bunch of them playing with animals. There's like a couple of them laying on the ground petting a cat. It's great. <laughs> so many things are happening, and then, then the rector comes out. Right. He's like, okay, okay, everybody. Now listen, last time, two of you were caught stealing chickens while dressed as devils. And everybody laughs. Yeah, <laughs> I like, actually hey. know who it is. Well, yeah, they, they show who it is. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, now you guys, 
next don't i'm gonna you're gonna get suspended next time <laughs> double probation yeah. <laughs> don't don't terrorize the populace tonight <laughs> like it is the crusty dean giving a speech he goes for shame and there's just general <laughs> laughter everyone's like ha, ha, ha. It's like, yeah, I know. It's like, all right, let us pray. It's like, it doesn't matter. He's not going to scold them. It's like, he knows. These are just a bunch of kids. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah, it's basically like, well, hey, man, it's three o'clock. School's out. Not my yeah. circus. Not my monkeys anymore. Absolutely. And it's also just church's job. You know, the, this is, these are all your workers. And it's like, okay, okay. You know, morale. And it's just chill out now. <laughs> And just the way they pour out of the seminary <laughs> through the town, it's, you know, all the women are shrieking. It's like, oh, shit, they let the priests out of the church. Yeah. You know that oh, there, there was like a late, I mean, not late era now, but, you know, late in the era I watched where there was, a, I think it was like a, an anthology episode of The Simpsons where there was a huge horde of Homer clones what <laughs> maybe post um, where you've seen, seen this like really late in the era i saw maybe in season 13 and it just pours over the countryside eating everything and that's what these priests are like <laughs> they they just like pour through the town and they're just like they they go through a, a merchant table and just everything's gone they, they like have oh yeah they chickens just... hoisted over their heads screaming <laughs> <laughs> and just grabbing whatever yeah, they, they're just getting everything on their way through. And you're like, oh, no, the priests. <laughs> oh, uh, priests are very much allowed to drink in here. Oh, and carrying away women. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> they're like some ladies drying some uh, sheets on a on a on a lawn they just like <laughs> grab the sheets and wrap them up and keep on rolling <laughs> and, and like this is this all feels like one big thing like like this is all just the same renaissance painting yeah it's just all it, uh somewhat uh, you may not be familiar with them but fleet foxes it's like the first fleet foxes album cover <laughs> oh i don't know them no <laughs> A uh, big early aughts indie folk act. Okay. Uh, but anyway, yeah, it, it has that feel. Just uh, Bruegel's painting. All, all sorts of <laughs> just crazy shit happening everywhere. Yep. <laughs> and then, yep. you know, they have that beautiful camp out on a mountaintop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that was, that was nice. The locations are really pretty, even if the mm-hmm. houses are kind of shacks. Well, yeah, it, it's it's uh, set in like I don't know the the fourteen hundreds or something, you know. I can't figure out when it's set because the one guy has a pistol. Uh, yeah, I don't know how far back it would be, because I mean it's based on a novel from circa like nineteen hundred era, maybe like oh, okay late eighteen hundreds, and I think it's supposed to be in the past from there. Yeah. Well, oh, you know, it could be 1400s. They they had guns when they first came to America, which was the 1400s. Yeah, I mean, it definitely goes back a ways. But anyway, uh, we we meet with our main three 
main three priests and our especially our main guy coma brutus the philosopher <laughs> the philosopher <laughs> oh let me in i'm a philosopher well each of them have their own title that they self-apply because they're drunkenly walking the night singing <laughs> and getting lost of course it's completely lost and they just happen upon uh one random farmhouse in the middle of nowhere and like well let's demand our way in they'll give us some kind of shelter and maybe we'll get some vodka even let's be as <laughs> loud and obnoxious about it as we can too yeah. so uh, the other two guys there's uh koliava who is the theologian you know the only theologian of the group <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I guess. And uh, Gorobets, the orator. They're they're less important than Brother Coma, but yeah, because <laughs> they're they're split up pretty quickly. Uh, <laughs> the, there's a there's the bit where they're all kind of looking around to see if they can find a place, and uh, Coma bumps into something. He's like, oh, Gorobets, like, oh, sorry, mistake. Mistake a rotten tree stump for your head. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're so wasted here. It's it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I, I love comments like look, look if we just look hard enough, someone will give us vodka. <laughs> we need to keep looking. <laughs> there there we, we will eventually stumble upon a house. We and will. They- they do. They kind of magic it into existence, but it's sort of a curse. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, they loudly and obnoxiously demand their way inside. They're, they're pounding at the gate, just screaming and yelling, waking up the whole household who, you know, someone comes out and says, like, I'm sorry, the house is full. There's nowhere for you to stay. Yeah, it's like, hey, you, you know, it's a crime to turn out to turn Christian priests away. It's not cool, man. And finally, the witch comes out. Just a very yeah. obvious witch. The witchiest of witches. Oh, man, she might as well be carrying a crystal ball right now. A real face. <laughs> <laughs> like, hooked nose and everything. Yeah. So, uh, she calls Coma aside. You know, he is obviously the most obnoxious of the bunch. Because <laughs> <laughs> he... He calls her a skin flint after she has let them in. Is like, all right, I can find places to slot you in. Just like, shut up, please. Yeah, yeah. He, he's just totally ungrateful. Like, wow, <laughs> I can't believe you'd let us stay in this filthy shack, kind of like, deal. Uh, yeah, what is skin flint? You can't even give us a bunch of vodka and food. Like, it's only the middle of the night. <laughs> yeah. So she's like. Come with me. <laughs> like sees the others to beds elsewhere in the house, and uh, you know ferries him over to the barn. <laughs> he gets to sleep with the animals. He kicks this pig that's you know, like just sniffing him. Yeah, the pig sniffing his foot. He kicks him in the face. Okay, like, hey, what yeah. a bad guest. <laughs> yeah, pigs are good, man. Don't hurt pigs. So uh, the witch approaches. It's like. Hey, really shitty guest, the worst of the three. <laughs> and, and he's like, whoa, hey, hey. I, I won't sleep with you. you. No, no. <laughs> you are too ugly for me. <laughs> and he keeps backing away from her and he like backs up into some horse tackle and a bridle, 
horse bridle falls on his shoulders and he kind of magically becomes a horse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she she does the thing where she's just suddenly behind him now. Yeah, and he's he has magically transformed to have the properties of a horse because he neighs and she makes him sort of just <laughs> tilt downwards so she can <laughs> get down so the, she... get on his shoulders yeah she's like she makes him give her a magical piggyback ride he she she rides him off into the sky it's incredible they've got like this beautiful spinning stage when he's oh, lifting amazing. off it I, I as i mentioned it seems to be the same sort of effect as the classic uh fleischer brothers popeye cartoons the early ones like sinbad where you just have this rotating background that uh you have like a 3d background that you have an animated figure in front of yeah oh the sinbad was the exact one i was thinking of when you mentioned popeye mm, yeah that was that's like the i i had that on iconic chess <laughs> oh i i totally love those early popeye cartoons they're uh some of the greatest animation of all time I think. And i'd have to go back <laughs> and see them that they're pretty kick-ass. Very innovative and just really kinetic stuff. It's that early rubber band uh, animation. And I, oh, I think it's yes. sort of the pinnacle of that stuff. Oh, okay. I mean, and it does have him kicking the crap out of somebody every single time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Gets a bunch of spinach down his gullet. His uh, <laughs> fucking arms balloon out. And then he destroys someone uh, like a machine. <laughs> yeah, his muscles turn into like tanks <laughs> sometimes. Awesome. Yeah, it rules. So the the witch rides him into the sky. It is a really cool effect where uh, obviously the broom, like she she has a broom, she like raises it above yeah. her head, and uh, it, like in in the early shots she raises it up, and then when we get to the shots where she's taking off, uh, it extends just above the frame, and then I presume it's attached to some sort of crane device that's pulling them up as the background rotates which is incredible like what yeah. a wild way to do this yeah like i i assumed green screen because that's how i would do this <laughs> yeah you know it's 67 it's the soviet union it's like no we're, we're gonna make it look fucking incredible it's gonna we're, we're gonna make animation in real life yep it's uh, oh man it's so good and uh, yeah they they fly for a bit there's a few uh, at least a couple of different rotating backgrounds used yeah. and that spinning floor at the beginning oh it's so cool and then they land and he just beats the shit out of her immediately with a stick yeah yeah he's like hey hey let me down i'm not okay with this so she lets him down and yeah he just fucking starts attacking her it doesn't say anything doesn't in my mind like yeah okay i get you're freaked out this is unprovoked oh i agree and the the whole movie is about him receiving punishment for being an asshole like he he yeah. keeps being an asshole more than anyone else around him so he gets the pushback and then he pushes back more as more of an asshole is like <laughs> all right then you're going all the way to your grave with this one <laughs> of course she has to reveal her well, what do you think? Is the beautiful girl her true form, or is the witch her true form? I mean, I think the witch has to be her true form, because she does finally revert back to it uh, at the end of all of this. Mm, uh, okay. But, like, once the the whole 
curse cycle has run and the three nights are up. And then I think she just kind of returns to the thing. I don't even know if the father character is real per se. Because hmm. there, there's sort of a whole weird thing with him because the, the daughter character doesn't seem to really exist. She seems to be a construct. Well, they... I was going to say the old men do kind of mention stuff that she's been up to, but the old men might be supernatural. Well, all of it. Yeah. Cause there, it, it is that very eerie moment. And you know, this isn't a movie that really lends toward chills. Exactly. It's more of a comedy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is on the same disc as witch hammer. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah. <laughs> 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 a completely different vibe like i think both of them are amazing but this one's a lot more fun <laughs> there are I, I was grinning ear to ear the whole time watching this and there are no smiles in witch hammer no no this is like a complete blast and it's very psychedelic which is super cool yeah oh i love it but yeah she she becomes young and beautiful and i do kind of feel like this character is a construct maybe the whole village that he travels to is sort of a trap more than anything else and and all of these people i mean i i don't feel like they they're non-existent but they do seem to be people like they're a small town that cater to the witch's purposes they're her people yeah it feels more like Less that there may be monsters, but more like this is a dark town with a secret, and the secret is they worship the witch. Yeah, or or something along those lines. You know, it's not heavily explored. I, I don't know if maybe there's more of it in the Gogol story. I really should read that one. But yeah, the father, I'm actually kind of wondering, like first I was debating, does he know that, uh, that Koma killed the daughter? But now I'm kind of like, does he know that the daughter is a witch? I can't, yeah. can't tell. Yeah, I don't know. He has a very strange vibe. He he kind of feels like he is just working towards an, an inevitable point. And he does seem extremely done with Koma all the time. I sort of wonder if at certain times the witch is him. Because he only appears in like two scenes and he's just angry at this guy. Very <laughs> suspicious of his intentions. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. It's, I don't know. So the when the witch becomes really beautiful, he runs away. Cause Yeah, they, she's not dead yet. She's like, You're killing me, I'm dying, help me. Yeah, stop it. And he's like, Oh my, and he runs instead of trying to help her or anything, obviously. Yeah, he he gets the fuck out of there, like wades through a river yeah. just to get gone and just full swampland he it, it's just he runs in a straight line towards the seminary it's just like <laughs> i don't care what else is in my way <laughs> i won't go around the mountain i'll just go right over it yeah i, I need safe territory immediately <laughs> i love when he comes back he just looks like he had the worst one night stand ever yeah he's he's totally messed up he goes back to his cell you know, his his room. His dorm. Yeah, it's his dorm room. And, you know, someone is sent by the rector to send for him, uh, which it's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what? What could you need me for? What? I haven't been up to anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Complete. 
I just want to emphasize he never owns up to anything. No, ever. not ever, not ever, not even at the very end. He is completely uh, devoid of responsibility. Yeah, why Why is this happening to me? I've done nothing to deserve this. <laughs> even when it's me alone with God, I still think I'm the victim. Yeah, well, he, he's being uh, persecuted by God at that point. So, yeah. <laughs> so the, the rector tells him he has been requested to pray over this dying woman about 20 miles from here. So I guess True. that's how far he he fucking trekked. Wow. Although there there was an amount of flying. Yeah, yeah, but he did have to walk all the way back. Right. Yeah. This is like twenty <laughs> miles from Kiev. Uh, yeah. And so he he says she's the daughter of a rich slotnik, uh, which I I don't know or or a rich sotnik. Sorry. Uh, which is a military rank in the Cossack troops. Oh, okay. Uh, the Ukrainian insurgent army. Oh. <laughs> oh. Interesting. It's interesting, because he's always singing about how, like, oh, a Cossack does this, a Cossack does that. Yeah. They, it's see, like, you're trying to imply that he's the Cossack, but he's just some shitty... Mu- That's, I, he must <laughs> I feel he has some sort of cossack background he he sort of feels he's some sort of up by his bootstraps orphan kind of deal Mm, yeah yeah (laughs) definitely a bootstraps orphan (laughs) yeah he seems like the type so yeah he he says that this this rich sotnik's daughter returned home brutally beaten and asked Mm. specifically for him that's very interesting coma (laughs) <laughs> yeah oh that that is interesting but you know i don't think i'm qualified i don't know these prayers i think you should send someone else for this job well every time he talks to anyone he has a real con man air to him i do love the way he talks he's always like oh that's very interesting i don't know what you could be talking about <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and, and like he'll change his he'll change his story like mid sentence. It's like I've never been a, with a woman in my life. Oh man, I've been with so many women. Yeah, he he's reading his audience and changing his story as needed. Yeah, not always reading his audience correctly. No, no, he's not great at it. That's sort of his problem. Fact, you could say he's downright fucking bad at it. Because Koma, at first, he's like, I don't want to do this, and they're just like you're going to do this like oh okay i see <laughs> at no point did i ask you if you wanted to <laughs> so the I, I feel it's like the witch's agents the these drunk guys who are in the wagon with him i really yeah, like these guys i do too they they've got like kind of they got kind of like a, a like a mystical old man property but can't tell if they're I think they must be at least a little bit magical. Well, because none of them have any information for him at all. But they're clearly there to watch him so that he doesn't escape. Because there's that one point where everybody falls asleep and he, like, surreptitiously tries to climb out of the wagon and everybody grabs him like, no, 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 no. (laughs) Where do you think you're going? We're not there yet. I, I love when he gets in and everybody has just sort of the, the Russian uh, joke around about how spacious the wagon is. 
<laughs> oh yeah, we can bring musicians in here, do a dance. It's like, oh, there's so much space. I could hire musicians, and we could do a dance, friends. <laughs> it was like, okay, man. <laughs> mm. <laughs> and like he's just annoying the piss out of them during the whole trip because he, he, he's always doing it at that level like he is always oh friends oh. it's like okay buddy if we filled the wagon with really heavy stuff how many horses do you think we would need to pull it <laughs> a lot go to bed it's like yeah probably a whole bunch man <laughs> it's like a five-year-old yeah, it it feels much like the the journey to uh, of um, Jonathan Harker to uh, Dracula's castle in the original uh, Bram Stoker version, but fun. Like everybody's having a really <laughs> good time. Everybody's really drunk. <laughs> oh, yeah. These old men are always drunk. Everybody's hammered. Uh, do you do you think the old men knew that he killed the witch? I think they did. I would have to assume, because it does seem like they have been sent to gather him and take him back, and they know that he is to be kept in, that he's going to try to escape. Uh-huh. <laughs> it, it just seems like this is maybe a thing that they do. Like, this is a recurring thing. This, this is, oh. like, Coma's not the first to receive <laughs> this curse. Oh, interesting. That You know what? I, I can see that. It definitely feels like it's an established thing that they all know how to do, where it's like, at the end, like, there, there's a few points where it's like, there's no escaping here, please. Just don't even bother, man. Come on. We don't want to run. Don't make us run. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, they have the, the first night where everybody stops and they drink and they sing and they bond. And <laughs> that one incredible drunk POV shot. Oh, yeah, where it's, like, behind his head and he's still, but, like, everything else is wobbling. Yeah, they they uh, have a, a screen in front of him and just, they tilt the entire room around him. It, it, very quick shots, but it looks amazing. Mm-hmm. And, and when, like, the one guy comes out of three doors. Yeah, the, in a row, like, one guy comes out of the first <laughs> door and then the next one and the next one all mirrored along in the same place. <laughs> Yeah, they're all telling him different things, and he's like, oh, he just starts singing his song about how a Cossack doesn't, isn't afraid of anything. Right. You know, uh, everyone just kind of, it, it's a cool way of illustrating drunkenness on film that I haven't really seen before. Mm-hmm. Oh, one guy like, so, they, you write books at the seminary. What is in the books? There could be more stuff in there. You have to tell me. <laughs> yeah, but he is too drunk to uh, <laughs> tell him much of anything. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, they they must drink through the night, and they're, oh, sure, because their their drunken wagon arrives still singing. <laughs> <laughs> People have to come out and like, hey, the lady died. You should really quiet down. <laughs> but they don't. Singing intensifies. Yeah, singing intensifies. <laughs> now, now it's grieving, I guess. Yeah. So the we get to the next morning, and Coma uh, uh, approaches the fence. <laughs> this... I love this. The guy yeah. just comes out from behind a building, like you're not thinking of leaving, are you? 
he just like steps out from behind the the nearest space that someone could be which is very yes. eerie <laughs> like he's just been generated there and I'm like okay hold on yeah and then the camera cuts to behind him and the other five old men are all behind him <laughs> yeah they're all right there it's like oh uh no it's like you're, you're wrong to try to leave this isn't this... the sort of place you can escape from that's a cool <laughs> line yeah i and like i i'm saying it wrong it's like you're wrong to try to leave this isn't the sort of place you can escape from very cheerful (laughs) yeah oh yeah because they're they're keeping them in place but they can be buddies about it everybody's having a good time it's like this is fun yeah you still get to drink and celebrate with us just don't try and leave right so let's go meet the master (laughs) i love his first lines like What's your quality and where are you from? <laughs> What's your quality? Oh, that's awesome. I, I want to use yep. that. <laughs> <laughs> Who is your daddy and what does he do? <laughs> well, I actually don't know, sir. <laughs> right. Yeah. He's an orphan. I, I also like that, you know, what's your quality and where are you from? And he's like, oh, well, I'm from here. And, you know, I'm from the seminary. I'm an orphan. And he has... No quality that he can list. That, that doesn't come up. He, he never comes back to that one. He doesn't no. circle back there. <laughs> yeah, it's like, hmm, this is all I get for quality, huh? Uh, why did she request specifically you? She right. was going to tell me, but she died. Yeah, how'd you come to make the acquaintance of my daughter? <laughs> I love this bit that he looks like he's just like relaxed talking to her like, oh yeah, I was an orphan. And then as soon as he sees her face... He just like, uh oh. I have never met this woman in my life. I swear to God, I've never like the yeah, vehement denial. Right, both just immediately. I've never met her before. I I've never met a woman. I I'm completely chased. I don't meet women. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then like just a few seconds later, like, wait, you say that you're chased? Me? Oh gosh, no, sir. Yeah, uh, and you know, someone else would probably be better. May God strike me dead if I'm lying. And he kind of pauses. <laughs> yeah, but he does... pauses nervously. Yeah, he pauses and and gives it a second, and then like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, I definitely got away with it. But so, he did not get away with it. No, because the. <laughs> the the guy goes on to say like it was her dying wish that you specifically come so i'm trying to figure out why man it's like <laughs> could you are you known for your chaste life because again going on from him saying like, right. i've never met any woman and he's like no man i fuck all the time brah <laughs> just last thursday i, yeah, I fucked I'm the baker's a, wife yeah i get it wet and he's <laughs> Just trying any possible way to weasel out of doing the thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the guy's just not having it. It's like, dude, she said it's got to be you. It's you. This is happening. Yeah. Uh, three nights at Freddy's, I'm afraid. Come on. <laughs> you're you're going to go get in there, put on your uniform. <laughs> you're going to do your prayers and yeah. then you're going to get a lot of money. Yeah, or we'll, I'm gonna we'll give, beat the shit out of you. We'll, we'll give you the paycheck at the end. You'll you'll make a good hourly wage, uh, and he has to 
him and the dad are the head pallbearers and just the two of them looking at each other at the head of that coffin. (laughs) (laughs) But like, I think the rector shows up for the funeral. There's a whole bunch of other people there. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It it could be the rector, but I don't know. I think it's weird that it'd be him, but maybe, well, he is rich. Yeah, and he did say, like, this is a rich Sutnik. He is important, so you have to go. We we can't yeah. say no to it. I could see him show up and it's like, all right, time to sacrifice fucking Koma. I really don't care. <laughs> we'll, we'll put him in here with the witch. I don't really give a shit. <laughs> is there a witch? Isn't there? Whatever. I'm getting paid. Yeah, who cares? It doesn't matter. <laughs> so I'm sure I could replace Koma. Oh, Koma? We've got Komas to spare. So... <laughs> this fucking crypt or tomb or whatever so amazing i i've watched these sequences a couple times now and i still theorize that they use at least two or three different sets for this tomb depending on how big it needs to be how small he needs to feel at the time i think totally and especially in that really huge effect sequence at the end there are features that you don't really see like that big window cross that goes into just the walls like it doesn't go to outside that all of the monsters come out of yeah yeah so i I think they are using a lot of different props and it's sort of a living breathing space with all of these very angry jesuses i love these dour soviet (laughs) jesus or not soviet like pre-soviet yeah jesus if he looked like rasputin yeah jesus if he looked like um alan moore yeah they're very very stern (laughs) and just tons of candles everything looks smoky like there have been candles burning in this place for 300 years and it's yeah. just oily grim it, inside it, yeah it does look like a burnt out husk with a bunch of really old expensive but well formerly expensive but well used uh paraphernalia yeah it, nothing's all that well maintained uh <laughs> so he's locked in for night one yeah he's just like (laughs) he's trying to convince the corpse that he's not afraid yeah yeah corpses don't get up and even if they did they are afraid of the word of god you hear me you're actually not gonna get up now yeah god will protect me i'm not concerned about you let's get some light in here and yeah he lights every single candle or no no first (laughs) He he gets up close to her and is like, I'm not afraid of you. And she cries a single tear of blood, but just for an instant, and then it disappears. He goes, oh, oh, and he starts lighting all the candles. <laughs> yep. But they keep As... blowing out. <laughs> <laughs> he, he does eventually manage to get them all lit, though. But there's also suddenly moments where a bunch of cats run through the room. Oh, yeah. There's like wild animals can have the run of the place. I think it's a different animal in each of the three nights. So first night you got cats. You got yeah. just black cats that suddenly rush past. Mm-hmm. And then they disappear. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. they don't even go to anywhere. They're just not there anymore. Yeah, they just sort of uh, channel through the cat dimension, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he lights every candle in the place and starts his praying, which he's not good at. He doesn't seem to know much about much about prayers 
ultimately. <laughs> they didn't well, get the theologian or the orator. They got the philosopher. Yeah, he, this this guy was just trying to coast for the easy credits. Yeah. He, he's on a golf management uh, program. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, the uh, he he takes some snuff. Oh oh yeah, that's that's what that is. Yeah, he has some tobacco snuff, and he he sneeze he sneeze he sniffs it and sneezes, which wakes up the dead, and she gets really <laughs> mad at him. Yeah, and he's like, oh, what? he's freaking out, understandably. So he he draws a sacred circle, of course, you know, chalk white a white chalk circle around himself, and. This is maybe my second favorite sequence in the movie after that initial flight sequence. This is so cool. Oh, the spinning. The the As spinning, she's like, her pounding she's like, at the walls of the circle. Yeah, she's like doing the whole mime thing with her hands, like because she can't get through the barrier, even though we can't see it. But at high speed and it's spinning yeah. and she's going around and pounding on it. It's one of the few really eerie moments in the movie. Yeah, and he's like just trying to keep this flimsy podium with a book on it in between it while trying and completely failing to say whatever prayer he can. Yeah, he doesn't know any prayers. He's he's totally failing. He's just more, ah, stop it. <laughs> he's like falling over this thing and he, he can't keep up with the spinning camera. And then, you know, finally the cock crows. So she oh, goes... <laughs> I love this bit. The, her returning to the coven, <laughs> wagging her finger angrily at him, is so funny to me. Yeah, she, because she's like looking back at the coffin and looking back at him, like, like what, what? One sec, I'll get you. Nope, just no, no, no. Just you <laughs> like, wait, you son of a bitch. This is just night one. Next time, and like the way the coffin door just slams shut on her. Oh, amazing, because it, it tilts, you know, it's a huge, long coffin door, very thin and spindly. And she <laughs> lies back down, and it rises up and slams closed, and every uh, candle in the place instantly goes out. <laughs> yeah. That's so cool. A very cartoonish, uh, like, slapstick conclusion to the scene. <laughs> The finger wag and her facial expression are perfect. She's so mad, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, breakfast borscht. You know, they they pull him out. He's like, "Oh, we've had some borscht for breakfast," and he lies like, oh, "There, there were just a few noises. There was nothing major." Yeah, he's and, like, yeah, yeah, it was fine. Yeah, I, I, I just need to sing my Cossack fears nothing song again, and it's, it's <laughs> nothing, it's nothing big. <laughs> the, the, the way time moves through the day sections of this are really weird. It's like the daytime doesn't exist. I mean, presumably he's supposed to be sleeping during the day. Yeah, we, we do see him interacting with people, but we cut back and forth a lot. It feels like. But it also feels at times that he's not sleeping during the day and we just get him or or maybe the, the length of the day is very permeable because it mm. feels like he's taken to have his breakfast borscht and he does his singing and then it's back to work. And it's like <laughs> there, there's only like two hours in the day before he had to go back for, for night two. Yeah, well, first he has to like... 
at the end of every night, he has to go up to the dad and be like, hey, I refuse to do this anymore. I'm done. Uh, <laughs> <Right>. No, <laughs> your, da- your dead daughter that you're grieving is actually Satan. And she's a witch. You don't understand. He's like, no, no, I'll, you know, you'll get the gold. Just, uh, <laughs> yeah. get, get back Just to it. Do the thing. Nobody wants to work anymore. So the the first the second night the coffin's covered up with or crows or ravens. So we we mm. go from cats to birds, and he immediately draws the circle. He's like, okay, okay, let's get this. Yeah. he's drunk. He's fucking hammered. He's like he's crawling on the floor drawing it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not a great circle. He's screaming to God to protect him. <laughs> <laughs> i love this one because the coffin rises up and starts like <laughs> it turns itself into a battering ram it's you know it's lifted up on a crane and it's just like pounding at the walls again like the exterior of uh the uh the the, the magic circle this actually must now that i think about it this must have been a hard effect to do because i thought they were just like swinging the coffin on a string but you'd have to like You'd have to have something rigid to make it stop right where the barrier is. Yeah, I mean, very impressive effects in this. Like, Petushka was, uh, you know, pretty big deal. Uh-huh. So, yeah, it it keeps, you know, powering into it. And then she throws off the lid and she's, like, piloting and surfing it around the room. <laughs> she is, like, literally surfing this coffin <laughs> in a circle around the fucking, in the sky around the room yelling his name come on (laughs) 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 rules so so awesome and then of course you know the at cox crow coffin settles back down again and she she's still cursing him so his hair goes white yeah (laughs) and he doesn't notice at first i think he does because that's why he puts on his big furry hat oh because it's a big reveal when he takes it off. Oh, right, yeah. So he puts on a really tall furry hat. A classic fucking old <laughs> Russian hat. This is my other, like, my favorite big funny moment. He, he, he goes out and, I want music! Give me music! <laughs> he just starts dancing so aggressively. Just the angriest Russian dance. Uh, just really <laughs> fucking mad mosh dancing, but he's doing the kicks and he's got like his boots in his hand. And he's He like jumps onto a, a pile of straw and he's just like dancing and you know, a bunch of people are playing flute and everybody's laughing at him. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, oh, this poor man. It's like he's possessed or something. It's like something's going on with this guy. <laughs> So he goes to the master again, and this is his big one where he's just like, I'm not doing this anymore. No, no. <laughs> I, I don't want to do night three. Uh, we we could, uh, you could get somebody better for this. I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah. I I quit. I quit. You can't. You can't quit. Yeah, the this is like, Russia. Listen, you'll do it or uh, I'll whip you to death. You could do either of those. It's fine. But it seems like just doing the next night would be better because then I'll give you a big chest full, a thousand pieces of gold. (laughs) I love what he tells the old man. He's like, at the first night, he's like, I'm going to get a thousand pieces of gold. (laughs) And they start laughing. (laughs) Yeah, you sure will, buddy. (laughs) And he stops. He kind of looks at them like, 
I don't know why you guys were laughing. <laughs> like, hmm, what's what's funny about that? I'm going to get rich. So <laughs> they he he has the you know well you'll do it or you'll be whipped to death. He's like, hey, I guess I'll have to do it. And then, uh, psych, and he makes a run for it. <laughs> <laughs> of course, he doesn't. He doesn't get far. No, because it's old Yavtuk. Uh, one of the guys from the, 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 I guess the kind of the main guy who's sort of leading uh, the wagon guys. Mm-hmm. Who he just teleports in front of him, like, no, 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 come on, man! <laughs> <laughs> You've been here for how long now, and you haven't figured out how it works? And uh, the coma says she's haunting me because she's got the devil inside her. I'd hate to think what she's guilty of. You know, not, not what not what he's guilty of that that he that got him into this mess. No, he's not guilty of anything. And if he just says that enough, it'll become true. So they they take him back to the church. I I does feel like there's no period in the day where he rests. And just, no, we don't see him sleeping. There, he there mentions is... at one point is like I'll sleep outside, and the guy's like, No, you won't. Yeah, because there's a point where we see him quote-unquote sleeping outside where he's just like under a wagon with his eyes open just doing a thousand yard stare into the distance <laughs> yep. good shit so uh, the women as he's like hauled away they, they it's like alright let's take you to the church buddy they they take him away from the, the lunch table or whatever <laughs> and we stay with the women who prepare the food for a second and they're like, think of the torment she's in. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, these, if they don't think she's a witch, they must think he is the worst priest in the fucking world because he's like, I'm not going to do the last rites. She's a witch. I hate her. I fuck you all. Uh, I don't care that I was recommended personally. No. And like, I, I think they do know because the other one says oh, he was fated to go through it. Oh, oh. <laughs> like, this is this is what he's here for. Yeah, okay, true point. Good point. So he gets in. He draws his third circle and just begging. This time he's <laughs> not screaming. He's just begging God, I'm like, please have pity on me. I I know I'm not good. <laughs> please strike her down for me. And of course she she pops up and curses him and. This is where it just, it goes totally fucking, it becomes a hundred monsters. Yeah. Yeah. She's just like, all right, that's it. Bring me all the ghouls, all the goblins. Um, It's, I summon the vampires. I summon the werewolves. Yeah. (laughs) Over and over. (laughs) Yeah. And all these cool, like, most of these only show up for one shot, but they're so cool looking. Like you ghouls got, with fucked up faces. There, there's like ones with a bunch of extra eyes all over their heads. You got just arms coming out of the walls. Uh, you got a walking oh, yeah. skeleton, of course. Oh yeah, of course. The, the dancing skeletons and the huge hands coming out of the walls, spinning around him. The the sort of hydra of bones. It's like yeah. got a bunch of necks and like horse heads on it. That one fucking rules. Yeah. <laughs> and just yeah, goblins, demons, tons of monsters all just pouring out of every hole. Yeah, like literally coming through the walls and it's a really cool effect. Like uh the the there's the cross that that's sort of a window cross, but it just leads to darkness, which is very eerie. And just <laughs> all of them pour out of the pieces and they're all like 
leaning out of it to watch him. Mm-hmm. So then finally, I summon V. I love at this point a whole bunch of the ghouls just kind of like stop their ghoul dancing. They're like, "Oh shit, Whoa. V! This is getting serious." You, you yeah. don't you don't think that's overkill, do you? Well, we should. We're just gonna take off, man. Yeah, a bunch of them run off, but then you know V pours in, and man, he is. He, he's what just, is V? <laughs> I don't know. He he's just this big fucking. He's Dang. like a golem, you know. Yeah. Uh, it, it, he has big fucking gross heavy eyelids that are just like giant flaps that he has to get people to help him raise (laughs) yeah raise my eyelids i want to see this fucker yeah and he's got cool growing glowing green eyes yeah they like cross between like some kind of a like a jewel and a bug's eye it's pretty cool and just you know glowing and uh, everybody's uh, uh, or coma's like, okay, I, I just can't look in his eyes or I'll be lost. He, he's he gets you with his eyes, which yeah. I guess is a thing he knows. And th- this is uh, sort of a folk horror thing where you just know how these things work. Uh, sure, yeah. Oh, he he doesn't have arms. He's got like these like twigs growing out of his shoulders or something. Yeah, I mean, in the the golem sense, where he seems to be made out of clay and rocks, yeah, and just as uh, he hasn't got arms attached yet, he's just got the the attachments for where the arms will go. Oh, that's what it looks like. Yeah, like uh, yeah, yeah, the attachment for the yeah, yeah, like a clay figure. Uh-huh. So the cock crows, and they're still going at him, but they break the circle at the last moment. They mob him, and they retreat, and he just. Uh, the witch becomes old again you know returns to her or- original form yeah she uh lies down in the coffin so hard it breaks it just shatters around her like uh oh whoops <laughs> <laughs> ah, i got what i came for it's like a eh, coma's death we're all good we 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 dealt with this yeah and then we have this, this weird coda where we go back to the seminary and we meet up with his two buddies again I love these two guys because every major thing like this, like on the <laughs> internet, has these two yeah. guys. Yeah, it's so good. It feels so prescient. They're drinking to his memory, but they're like, yeah, but I mean, I would have been fine. I would have beat the witch because <laughs> I would have done this, you see. I, I'm better than Coma. I mean, Coma, <laughs> we, we got to admit, Coma wasn't that great. So I would have done better. And the other guy's like, shh. Coma's not dead. <laughs> False flag, man. Uh, you don't get it. It's like uh, you're you're not reading the right sites. Dead. Who says he's dead? And like, well, everybody. Like, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and, then the rector shows up. Like, the rector hey, shows guys. up. Like, we're not drinking on the job. It's like I'm painting this wall. <laughs> what are you talking about? And like, okay, man. Hey, if you got time to lean, you got time to yeah, clean. It is completely. You got time to lean. You got time to clean. It's like, oh, good. No, we're working. We're working. <laughs> Capitalism. That's clean. <laughs> that's that's it. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's it. End of the whole cake. It's fucking awesome. Ah, incredible. Man, every second of this movie is fun. It, just a total blast from beginning to end. Uh, it is one like I watched the very first time I watched this, it was early pandemic 
uh, I think it was whenever the, the original Severin release of it came out and I watched it on a heavy edible and it was an incredible ride. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is a ride. The, the, these effects will surprise you if you're just expecting standard 1970s. Of, like I was expecting like low budget. I don't know. I don't know what I was expecting, but not this. Right, because that is the cool thing, the most film thing, that it's just, I mean, we're getting all of the best people. It is a huge, lavish production. Uh-huh. Uh, and yeah, it's so much fun. It's just such a blast. It's weirdly <laughs> funny. It's a, a real nice contrast to Witch Hammer. <laughs> <laughs> the Catholic Church is unstoppable. Uh, the Catholic Church actually is... Yeah, you know, <laughs> you know the, the, the church, you know, they, they do their thing. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so uh, this is replaced in the stacks with uh, I, I figure for the next one, we'd probably want to do the next two because oh. so uh, the next disc, there's two films on it. You got Lake of the Dead. Uh-huh. They're, they're two Norwegian films, Norwegian okay. folk horror. Lake of the Dead, uh, some friends go to a cabin in the woods, and uh, there's this crazy man screaming in the woods at night, and it's eerie. So I don't think there's a whole lot more to it than that. It's only about 76 (laughs) minutes. This one, people say, you know, it's just kind of a vibe, and there's not a whole lot more to it. And then uh, the next one in the set, uh, let me look this up again. Uh... Maybe but. I can grab the case. Oh, if that'll you can. Just... That might be yeah. good. Because the yeah. Severin website is down right now, and I don't have the case with me. Actually, here, right. I think I got it. I got it here. Uh, Tilbury uh, is okay. the other one. And I, it's like a TV movie, and it's less than an hour. It's from oh. 1987. It's just under an hour. My understanding is that one's fucking bonkers crazy, just totally loony stuff uh it's uh, so british forces in iceland so maybe this is an icelandic one rather than norwegian okay uh, but you know probably fun to pair uh so uh this country boy goes to reykjavik to work for the army and to find out what became of his childhood sweetheart Ooh. and uh he finds her having an affair with a british soldier uh but he also suspects that the soldier is actually a monster oh <gasps> <laughs> oh no yeah my, my understanding weird body horror folk horror uh just crazy shit uh cool. <laughs> so uh i i feel like it would be fun to probably pair those two together because i feel like maybe there's not going to be enough in lake of the dead and then the other one's only an hour long so you can probably yeah. do both of them yeah we've we've done single movies that are longer than the two of these combined Oh, absolutely. And we've, so, uh, we've yeah. had fun with doing multiple movies together uh, recently. True. And it's, it's sort of been <laughs> it, it, more doable lately. When it works, it works. Yeah, yeah. In, in logical circumstances. Yeah. This might be one of those. I think so. I think uh, so. so do you have any last thoughts about V before we continue to part two? Yes, if I was trapped in a tomb with a beautiful witch, I would have simply seduced her. <laughs> I mean, that would have, it feels like that's where uh, it was heading in the first place. And just uh, if, I mean, the tomb thing was his fault to begin with. He he should yes. have just been 
uh, cool about being ridden. It's like, all right, all right. Yeah. <laughs> you got me. I was being an asshole. Uh, I get ridden like a horse. You drop me off in a fucking swamp. I can walk home now. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's real yeah. dick. Yeah. Maybe don't just attack human beings with sticks yeah. repeatedly. You, you go fucking sick house on a witch. You're going to get some fucking curse. He, yeah. he just really made his own bed. He really did. <laughs> Uh, but what a time. Rip coma Brutus. <laughs> All right, well, on to part three. And we're back for part two, where we're talking about El Bosque del Lobo, the forest of the wolf, uh, best known under the title The Encinas Woods, I believe. That's what it says on the poster. It doesn't say that anywhere actually in the film, though. Right. I mean, that's, I think, just the better known English title, uh, whereas this is a Spanish film and uh, this new Vinegar Syndrome releases with the original title. Oh, okay. So uh, from 1970, director Pedro Olea, and it doesn't say until the end, but based on a true story, a very different kind of tone for a folk horror movie than our first feature. Mm-hmm. And also also very different from Witchhammer, thankfully. <laughs> I don't yeah. need a lot more of those. I although more in the Witchhammer tone. Like it, uh, it's it's a, a dark it, it's a dark movie. It, it's mm-hmm. just uh and, and it's very serious. It it is about true horror and, and real life horror. It's just uh you know, the the religious persecution horror was much more comprehensive. There there were a lot of people yeah. going down. This one you know, it's a serial killer case. It's something that we're familiar with to this day. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, yeah, it was based on a real guy uh, who basically did, I, I looked at the Wikipedia article, hmm. basically did exactly what he's doing here uh, towards the end of his career. Right. So this is based on Manuel Blanco uh, Romasanta, who is uh, essentially the first known Spanish serial killer. Mm-hmm. Um, our main character in this, his name is Benito Ferreri. For Ferreri, oh my gosh, I'll never get it. Benito Be- something with an F. Benito Ferreri, uh, who is just this peddler who had. I, I think we start with that weird flashback to his childhood, where he sort yeah. of ties in a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah, this is. <laughs> Very formative moment. Yeah. (laughs) Like, this is his villain origin story. Uh, Now, as villain origin stories go, I do not sympathize with this man at all. I am not on Team Benito. Well, no, he's not even (laughs) meant to be sympathetic. He just... We're we're showing how a mind gets fractured, and it's... You know, as we were talking about when you were watching the film, the thing I can't get over is how somehow he has this really good reputation. Yeah. I don't know how that was built up because it seems like he's been damaged for a really long time. Yeah, well, we see him. He's probably like seven or eight years old here at the beginning. We see that he grew up in an extremely religious, uh, I'm going to go ahead and call it boring core household. Yeah, it Uh, doesn't look fun. Yeah, like just sitting at the dining room table like just really quickly mumbling their prayers just like and and like not even brushing off the flies that buzz around them oh that is something about this movie there's so many flies all the time everywhere it looks 
horrible. Like just everywhere someone is eating, they're just always covered in flies. Even like when you get to the semi-wealthy people's homes. Yeah, they just, yeah, there's just always flies and they, nobody seems bothered by it. It's like, yep, there's, there's flies sitting on me, on my face. That's what happens. But uh, Benito's prayers are interrupted by these two kids who are like, hey, uh, come with us. We're going to show you something awesome. Right. It's actually horse fucking. I, I mean, I guess it's awesome if from like, a certain point of view. What uh, else they, are you going to watch? Right, it's entertainment. There's not yeah. a lot available. So, yeah, the, these, you know, it's two bratty kids who pull the religious boy away. And it's such a bizarre <laughs> sequence of events where <laughs> he he's looking and he's seen and then he falls and then he like lands in some straw and he knocks some shit over and there's a fire and then there's this guy chases him down and beats him. So, like, yeah. all of a sudden, the this... His first witnessing of anything sexual, these two horses having sex, is like tied up in his mind with fire and beating, just all in this one whirlwind moment. Yeah, and then as he's like wiping the blood off his face, he tastes some of it, and now he's got a taste for blood. I guess so. I guess. (laughs) And that's when we flash forward to the present time and the opening credits, which is just staring at the eyes of this i they found a great face for this for this role yeah so this guy's like a, a real classic actor uh jose, jose luis lopez vasquez uh you have seen him in at least one other thing oh uh one of my favorite short films la cabina oh that sounds familiar which which one is that He's the guy who gets trapped in a phone booth. The phone booth one. Oh my god, yeah. that thing that that move. Oh, that's him. That's him. That's him. He's the guy. Oh shit! Yeah, that that was chilling. He's just being taken away, and then there's all these other trucks with phone booths with guys like, hey, yeah, uh, really creepy shit. A total classic. So yeah, that that's him. That's our Benito. Uh, uh, not long after this, I guess, because that's also a 70s one. I think maybe a couple years later. Okay, okay. Yeah, he he looks sufficiently ghoulish. Yeah, it's amazing because he doesn't look at all that way in La Cabina. He looks like just, you know, an everyday dad. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, he's he's a classic actor. He's been around for, like, he had been around since the 50s in films. So, you know, he's just a guy, but he really embodies just this filthy energy of Benito. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and he's also, like, really small. He, and he's got, like, this giant square backpack that's, like, just a cube. Yeah, well, and... his, his it's, it's not even, like, a backpack. I mean, it's attached to his back by straps, but it's like a chest. It's, it's yeah. you know, his, his peddler, uh, his store on his back. Yeah, it's actually like a whole bunch of suitcases strapped together that he right. he sets up. But yeah, yeah it's, he, it's he, the perfect he, cube. Yeah, he got set up by that guy from uh, Joe versus the Volcano. He's like, have, <laughs> he's like, have you ever really thought about luggage? And Benito's like, ah, eh. And then he killed him. Uh, yeah, Benito's like, I have thought about luggage. And then, yeah, just. Then he becomes a werewolf. Place. 
that's that's the thing. So Benito is in quotation marks a werewolf. Well, he he Benito or you know Manuel in yeah. reality did claim lycanthropy. This was his defense. <laughs> Mm-hmm. which and, didn't and, work because like they're gonna kill a werewolf man well <laughs> it's still like the 1840s well it turns out it did work because the actual fucking oh, queen yeah. commuted his death sentence yeah so that they could study lycanthropy and hope to find a cure yeah they was like oh i mean this guy's a werewolf i mean we should study him i suppose if he's a real <laughs> werewolf but then i think he ended up getting murdered in jail or something. <laughs> oh, I didn't read that far. Shoot. I should have. Uh, oh, damn. Uh, I, I think he was actually, no, he, he was ultimately executed. Oh, okay. Once yeah. they realized that the whole thing was bullshit, I imagine. Not a whole lot longer, honestly. Oh. Uh, he was, he was sentenced to death in 1853 and it was carried out in 1854. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. That's uh, the research didn't take very long, I suppose. Yeah, no, I mean, you, you look into it a bit, and you, you, they did, uh, I mean, they they did some phrenology, obviously. Oh, of course. <laughs> uh, but then, you know, they're going to just uh, take a look at uh, his body after killing him. That's fine. There, there's lots to study there. Man, one of the most frightening things for me is actually the stuff that people in old times believed was medical science. Yeah, that's okay. scary. It's it really isn't far off rock terrio. Yeah, um, it's it's following the same line of logic of just like, well, you know, you cut the stuff out. You you just need to dig in there. I mean, we we don't really know how things work, but we we, we have some imagination about how things work. Let's just attach this horrible parasite to you to drink all the bad blood. You know, leeches are a classic. I mean, yeah. I think some royalty have died of leeches. Oh, fuck. That wouldn't surprise me. Royalty dies in interesting ways. Yeah, I mean, they're so inbred, though. <laughs> <laughs> so it's bound to happen. They don't have the strongest constitutions. <laughs> uh, so after reminiscing about the time he fell down and there were horses in a fire and he got blamed for the whole thing, Right. And then, like, later we have that other flashback to his childhood where he was around some crosses and, uh, like, a big religious uh, procession, and he had just this huge foaming at the mouth fit, which I guess is sort of to represent his uh, weird issue with religious iconography, which sort of backs up in a weird sort of way his lycanthropy that. You know, uh, religious iconography is uh, troubling to him, painful to him. Yeah, it seems like anything religious or sexual gets him uh, transforming. Yeah. Which, uh, it does does feel like that's what it is, but it has disturbing implications when you realize that uh, at least one of the people he killed is a 12-year-old girl. Yeah, and in reality, more so. It, it yeah. seems like he typically the the real guy killed a lot of killed a lot of uh, parent and child pairs. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Typically. Yeah, and uh, he he does that he does that once here. Right uh, here, I I have 
a list. So there were, uh, uh, there there was a mother and daughter, a mother and son, uh, another mother and daughter, uh, another mother and son, and then one twelve-year-old solo. Oh wow, that's that's way more and different composition than who he kills in the movie. And that's the confirmed named victims. Right. So who knows, as with all or with a lot of these guys, who knows how many they've killed that we just haven't pinned on them for sure. Right. And I mean, this far back. Yeah. Uh, Well, yeah. 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 We're talking like 1840s, 1850s uh, Spain here. Yeah. This was a he, he was active in the years 1844 to 1852. Hmm. So he uh he arrives in town. Uh, this takes place in like two or three different towns. I, I didn't really note the names of them because uh, his whole thing is he travels around uh, delivering letters, uh, goods, and sometimes people between town to town. Yeah, he's a traveling salesman. Yeah, uh, he travels. He comes back to this town that he's been away from for a little bit to find that there's a funeral. During the funeral, he approaches this girl, Avelina, and he's like, hey, the reason I'm here is I brought this letter for you from your aunt. Uh, I didn't even read it because that's how reputable I am. Also, I can't read. Right, which is yeah. Total bullshit. He he absolutely can read it. And the wiki entry for the real guy notes, like, he was able to read at a young age, which was super rare for the time. Right, well, he he is someone who pretends to be stupid and pretends to be uh, incapable at pretty much every juncture, uh, just for reasons of putting people off their guard. Uh, and yeah. I think his claims of the werewolfism or the lycanthropy are along the same lines. It's just him trying to get something over and him pretending to be uh, afflicted versus actually being obviously just kind of an evil predator. Yeah, yeah. Like at the end of every killing, in the movie at least, who knows? Who knows what he did in real life but in the movie he's always like on his knees on the ground sobbing oh oh i can't believe this happened again oh i did it and if he really really wanted to prevent this from happening people do this in werewolf movies all the time you just go and be like hey all right you're not gonna believe me but i am a werewolf you need to lock me up or i'm gonna eat people yeah uh, yeah. By the way, uh, Avelina, played by Nuria Torre, who in the same year was in one of the just hordes of Django sequels. Oh. Because there's just tons and tons of them in the same way that there are all of those uh, Zatoichi films, except these are just made by everybody. A- anybody was making Django films. <laughs> there's just tons of movies named Django. Uh, and she was in... Uh, one damned day at dawn, Django meets Sartana. Oh man, I want to watch that. That sounds rad. Uh, th- it was the same year Shit. as this. <laughs> that sounds awesome, man. We got to yeah. get into Django at some point. We totally do I... that, and we never did. Yeah, I have. I don't have a lot of them because they're they're no one's really collected many of them together. But I have right. a handful, and they're all kind of great. Mm, cool. It's a fun series. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, Nuria Torre, Avelina, in that one this same year. That's awesome. 
So, so they decide to do the letter reading publicly, and uh, because Avelina's aunt has apparently gone off to live with a wealthy noble, uh, quotation marks all over the place here. Yeah, presumably has been killed by Benito. Pre- presumably, yeah. And it's like such a typical letter, like, oh, yeah, the master treats me great here. Everything's wonderful. You should definitely sell all your stuff and give the money to Benito and have him bring you here um, alone and unprotected. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's a basic shell game. This is probably why he has not been back to this particular town in a while, is he was letting things die down, waiting for there to be a gap of time. Uh, from this lady being gone, just like, okay, now we just bring, you know, a, an easygoing letter and uh-huh. uh, things are all smooth and I can take another victim without it being kind of uh, weird. And also, he's operating much like, uh, what's her name? Belle Gunnis. Oh, <laughs> shit. Yeah. Belle Gunnis, yeah, would use letters to lure people to her death farm. Yeah, I mean, they they had to travel to her to for the point of marriage, but you know, it was him traveling with them to you know wherever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and and here's where you see the first hint that Benito has this bulletproof, weirdly bulletproof reputation. I don't get it. I have no idea why, because he's <laughs> so sketchy. He's so obviously sketchy in every moment he lives. Yeah, like. He's always like doing the shifty eyed thing. Um, yeah, he's just everything about him is like, suspect me of murder, please. He looks like if Droopy Dog were a serial killer, he, he's so <laughs> grotesque. Or, or as, as I was saying in the chats, he looks like he comes off of the fucking monster genealogy tree from the Monster Club. He's like, uh, uh, let me, I gotta look up the, the list again. Uh, like a ratty or a uh, 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 what's the other? He he mostly looks like the the Shadmock. He he's somewhere between a Shadmock, <laughs> and then when he's in his werewolf form, he's a ratty. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's amazing. Like those, you link me those photos, and <laughs> they got the same facial hair as him. It's crazy. <laughs> uh, um, he he's well dressed though, and the costumes in this I really like. Yeah, uh, I, I just very well uh, appointed, uh, just altogether in terms of the uh, period authenticity. It feels very uh, realistically eighteen forties, although it's it's that Lepterica thing where it also could be currently but yeah <laughs> or not not currently but it could have been 1970 in a rural area uh, yeah yeah um definitely like they're wearing they're almost wearing suits and ties but they, yeah. they've still got like their their uh stone their stone cottages and all that right yeah not it, not much unlike uh this stuff in v honestly yeah a yeah. little bit more built up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so everybody is like super into this idea of her leaving this household and going to live, going to alone with Benito to live with this aunt. Everybody's on board with it. Oh, yeah, I mean, totally trustworthy. Let, let's send the, the child with uh, this uh, strange man who uh, 
uh, just we know of his childhood traumas and uh, his parents. I don't know. They peaced out. They're gone. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> we never find out what happened to the parents. I mean, my 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 headcanon is that they just fucking took off because they didn't want to deal with this kid. Because he <laughs> he was obviously problem right from childhood, from that era where he's just uh, clearly going kind of feral, where he's just having those fits during the religious procession. Yeah, but yeah, um, I could see it being that it's like, oh, man, our child's difficult to deal with. Let's just not. Let's just abandon him. We'll we'll move to another town. That would explain <laughs> a lot about Benito. Yeah, I could totally see that. I think that's pretty viable. <laughs> he he does like he does kind of have that I grew up in the woods and I stole these clothes from somebody look. Well, I think part of that also is that he does steal his clothes from dead people well, a lot of the time and he absolutely he, does. He he is just this peddler who's running between towns and he doesn't keep the good stuff for himself. He's got to sell that. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> um actually his yeah, his outfit kind of a little bit reminds me of uh, Donald Pleasance and the other guy in uh, The Flesh and the Fiends. Yeah. Like yeah. what a poor person thinks a wealthy person would look like. Yeah, he's he's a raggedy man, but he's got like he buys from people who have money and he, he is somehow trusted in the homes of the wealthy uh, in I mean the wealthy in quotations as much as these towns have wealthy people. Obviously they're very off the beaten path. They're they're well, all think... they're all capable of being taken in by Benito. Yeah. Well, I, I I get the feeling that uh, Don Nichols or Don Nicholas, Don, Don Nicholas, that's it. I he seems legitimately wealthy. I guess I mean he's a Don. Yeah, but um, it, it's it does also seem that for whatever reason, Don, the Don's just total belief in Benito <laughs> seems to trickle down. It really does. Uh, there there are two people, though, who don't trust Benito right from the get-go. Uh, one of them is this one-eyed delivery man named uh, Lamero. Lamero, yeah. I, I like him. He, he I like just him, like, too. Oh, this guy is up to no good. How does nobody else see it? <laughs> yeah, it's like he, he's giving him the stink eye, but yeah. nobody notices because that's just his regular eye. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he, he's just burning a hole in, uh, in like the back of Benito's head every time he's on the screen. Mm-hmm. But of course, Avelina does go, uh, does sell all her stuff, give the money to Benito, and then go on this journey to the mysterious place where the aunt is staying that nobody seems to have heard of this nobleman before. Yeah, it seems totally legit, though. There, There's this, there's this letter. Oh, yeah. And like... Man, look at his face. Who could? How can oh. you not trust this face? Yeah, uh, you, th- that uh, that uh, <laughs> fucking uh, it, it's it's just like it, it just the 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 bigness of the eyes and how haggard the rings around them are, and just the scruff of the facial hair. It's well designed because, again, I know this guy doesn't normally look this haunted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't remember the guy from that short film looking like a ghoul. I no. remember him looking like a guy. Yeah, he, he would just look like a dude. So it, it is impressive uh, 
uh, Jose Luis Lopez Vasquez in this because he is grotesque and he just sells that just feral desperation all the time. <laughs> and it, it makes it a problem because like, just how are all these people falling for this? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like you'd think there would be one point in his life where he was extremely charismatic before he started murdering, but we see what he's like as a kid. This guy no. isn't going to grow up to be charismatic. No, I can't figure any path of charisma <laughs> in between these two eras that we see. And he just, yeah, he is gross he's he looks so greasy and he's gonna be greasy he's always traveling between those two towns or three towns yeah yeah <laughs> like on on foot uh yeah. through the woods these aren't paved highways or even yeah dirt and roads hauling a huge fucking pile of suitcases everywhere he goes so he's sweaty you know it's all times a year he's just living in his clothes and sleeping on the road and, you know, he's got to bury all these people all the time. That's hard work. He's around dead bodies. Yeah. Uh, he's He's got his own little sacrifice circle in the woods. That's his favorite spot. Yeah, I. it's a neat thing because it looks like you're not necessarily going to think of it that way at first. You think, okay, this kind of looks like a neat little rest stop. Uh, but nope, this is where he, this is his crawl space. Kind of. I mean, it does seem to have some sort of ceremonial significance to him in the way that a lot of serial killers have. But it's interesting how little we explore his psychology other than we get the flashbacks of his childhood where it's like, okay, he was fucked up. (laughs) And then we see him deluding people and we don't really understand how he's able to delude (laughs) them. I, I mean... I understand that these movies are fairly political, the, this group of movies in this uh, Villages of the Damned set. Oh, okay. It, it, it talks a bit about it on, like, even the back cover or whatever, the the the, the back cover copy. Uh, and I, I wonder how much of it is just, like, look how easily people are fooled. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's sort of about the... This is near the end of uh franco or like just after the reign of franco francisco franco in oh. spain uh Shoot, you know, i'm not familiar quasi-fascist uh issues <sighs> and one of them so yeah so it, it's kind of it, it does feel like just how people how easily people are taken in by a not even obvious or someone who's like an obvious ghoul he's a ghoul right out on the surface but people are taken in because he's just like well he has a reputation though i mean yeah people with money speak for him uh, oh yeah but like then you see him and you talk to him and he might as well just be rubbing his hands together going my precious he's gross he looks so yucky <laughs> and like most people do feel he's sketchy but then for some reason, small children kind of trust him, but that's because small children are easily taken in. Yeah, yeah. But small children also speak the truth and are all completely ignored. That becomes a problem here. Yeah. I feel like that's one of the key points of this movie is just, uh, hey, listen to what kids are saying about strangers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's worth listening. Uh-huh. So the first kill seems to come out of nowhere. He's just walking along. They get to the sacrifice circle and... He werewolves he, out. He werewolves out, out in a way, like he he puts down his pack and his his bags and all that, and he he's like standing there, and I like to think he's imagining a badass werewolf transformation in his head. 
Yeah, it feels like he is undergoing a transformation that only he is personally experiencing. Uh, w- when I was watching it, it made me think of Alphaville, this uh, French noir movie that is a sci-fi movie, except they don't have any sci-fi stuff. So uh, he refers to his car as his spaceship. <laughs> okay. So that, that kind of thing. And it feels like that. It's like, well, yeah, he's he's becoming a werewolf, but you know, we just have to imagine it. it it's it's we're we're seeing an abstract representation. This guy's becoming a werewolf right now. <laughs> yeah, except we're not seeing an abstract representation. Right. He's not he's not becoming a werewolf because she's just like, hey, what are you doing? <laughs> what's what's your deal, man? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, well, it's also fun because it, it is presented as a werewolf movie. It, mm-hmm. You know, the the posters show it to be a werewolf movie. It's called Forest of the Wolf. Yeah. And we're expecting a werewolf movie, and it's only at the very end that they drop that it's based on a true story. Oh. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. I I never thought about that because what we discussed it uh, last week, we, we you had mentioned yeah. that it was – so yeah. I wasn't thinking about it through that lens. Yeah, I, I think it's sort of – well, I mean, I knew going in that it was, but it's interesting that you get to the end and it's like, yeah, based on a true story – only the names have been changed. I'm like, oh yeah, shit. Yeah, <laughs> that's they they kind of drop it on you. Like, oh, this is this wasn't a werewolf movie. This is a true crime movie. Uh-huh. Uh, do he does act different though? Like, it's cool. He 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 does act like he's a monster. Like he's under like a curse or a spell when he's doing the killing. In his face, it looks like he's not under his own power. Yeah. it's hard to explain. Well, yeah, I mean, we're, we're we are kind of it is subjective. We're we're seeing him in his rage moment. We're we're seeing him as the killer. Where this is his berserker moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, he he uh, takes it his way. Obviously, he is someone who is who who feels a certain way about all of this. He he, he has to find a way to excuse it to himself. Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, he continues to excuse it after the fact by being oh so sorry about it. Well, yeah, yeah. So he feels like, bad. He feels real bad, as I, werewolves I, I, usually do. Yeah, and you know the responsible thing that a werewolf does is to be like, "Hey, when the full moon's happening, chain me up." <laughs> yeah, you usually would try to do that, or uh, yeah. most werewolves try to kill themselves. That's that's a pretty common theme. In oh werewolf. yeah, I guess so. Um, yeah, yeah. Not this guy, though. He's just like, well, no, Benino's all about the self-preservation. Yeah. Surely there's got to be a way for to stop me from killing without inconveniencing me. I don't feel that he's looking for a way to stop killing at all. That, no. That's the point. He's he, he has no interest in not being a werewolf. So that, that's sort of where his uh, werewolf defense obviously doesn't fly is that yeah. he, he doesn't he. It it only becomes a, a something to the public once he's caught that he's a werewolf. No, nobody was like, "Oh, we have a werewolf on our hands." Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, oh, Benito's killing people. He's like, "No, no, you don't understand. I'm a werewolf." Yeah, but like th- that's kind of what I'm saying. There was the whole sobbing and oh, what have I done? And yeah, being that's performative, even but if yeah, he's I, only just doing it for himself. Everything he does is performative. Oh, Except okay. the killing. 
Oh, okay, okay. The, the killing is the only time he's himself. Like, what what else is he doing? He he steals stuff sometimes. Most of the time, he's just miserably sitting uh, in public gatherings, just looking like he's so fucking haunted. And then, you know, he's waiting until he can get away with someone in the middle of the woods where he can murder them. Like, even when we see him in between, he's usually just in a rush to get from place to place. That's true. That's true. You know, the, the one time we, we had that other priest, the, the Protestant priest, the missionary, who mm-hmm. encounters him in the woods separately, who isn't a viable victim. Well, hmm. we'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> uh, but but the next person we're going to meet is Pachucha or Pacucha. 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 She is having like a, a pen pal affair with uh, Don Nicholas. I honestly thought at first when we met Pachucha that uh, Benito was catfishing her and that this was another one of his schemes. If he could write, (laughs) (laughs) but no, he's actually, he's actually like sending letters, delivering letters back and forth with these people uh, facilitating this. I guess you could call it a love affair, but the thing is it's not going anywhere because Don Nicholas that's that's what love affairs were like in in this era you know oh. this is the victorian era you know uh, oh. y- y- propriety you you just send letters back and forth <laughs> okay okay well she's especially if you're with... high class well she's not happy with that arrangement she wants to meet him yeah and like she's meeting she's talking to benito she's like please tell him like next time we've got to meet and Benito's like, I don't know, man. I don't think he's going to go for it. It doesn't really seem like something I can control. Yeah. Uh, and I, I wonder how much of his rep is just from him discreetly delivering these. That, that seems like it, it could be a could, large part of his rep with Don Nicholas. It could be that. I mean, like if you do, if you do discretion properly, that's, that's pretty priceless. I suppose so, but then I guess that what what I still don't understand is why the the priest, like not the the Protestant one, the, the just the regular yeah, priest. The... I have no idea what why he seems to have this uh, deep trust in Benito. It's so deep trust, so deep. Yeah. Like, how dare you say a bad word about this man? Yeah, uh, you witnessed this crime. I don't believe you. Uh, yeah. So yeah, he's, he takes her letter and is like, well, I'll, I'll try to set it up. I can't guarantee anything, uh, but who knows? That's where I'm going next, so we'll see what he has to say. And right. her dad is like, okay, don't you think all this stuff with this letters and this dawn and everything, don't you think this is really suspicious and he's just stringing you along or something else nefarious is going on? And she's like, no. No, why why would anyone suspect something? It's Benito. We yeah. can trust Benito. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I'm not calling into question Benito, but what about the dog though? Right. <laughs> yeah, nobody questions Benito except for the one-eyed man. Next we have uh next we have, yeah, them at the tavern. He he hangs out at this tavern during his downtime. Uh this is where the dancer steals the shawl. This is where yeah, this is where the dancer steals the shawl and he this is the shawl that he lifted from Avelina's corpse. And right, and it has blood on it, so it's yeah. something he's really protective of. 
yeah, is, uh, yeah. It could it could find its way back to him. It's distinctive, and she's known around here. Yeah, so he he snatches it back from her. He makes this whole big scene of it. It's like, no, no, this, this one isn't for sale. No, no, no. It's like, well, I was going to buy it off of you, and you can't tell me that something that Benito carries isn't for sale. Your reputation precedes you. He he's a salesman. He he literally yeah. is just this snail who goes from place to place with the uh, fucking suitcases full of wares on his back. This is what he does. So mm. him not selling something is extra suspicious. He doesn't really have much of a game plan. Yeah. I, I, like again, I have no idea how he has built up any sort of <laughs> reputation because he doesn't have the intelligence to do one. We do see him being crafty in certain ways where. He sits back and pretends to be stupider than he is, but he's not smart. No, no. Uh, Like his eventual solution to this is to just give her the shawl and be like, don't ever tell anyone you got this from me. Just just don't ever mention me. Chris, it obviously comes right back to him because she sells it to someone who is (laughs) like recognizes it. And like, is it the one armed man or is it the the one eyed guy? It's the other guy. It's the one-eyed guy who ends up it buying the shawl guy. because yeah. the one-eyed guy. I think the one-eyed guy was actually like just a teeny bit of subtext in the one scene that we see them together. I think one eye was sweet on Avelina. Yeah, yeah. So he'd recognize the shawl, and that's how that whole thing happened. Right. He he was suspicious. Like he was suspicious of Benito, and then she disappears and goes and just is never heard from. Like, and then he sees like, hey, I recognize that. Uh, can I buy that? And let me see if there's some blood on that. Like, there's some blood on this. I'm gonna go take this to people who need to know about this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a bit. It's a bit before all that happens. Uh, yeah. Here we do have our Protestant priest entering. Uh, I love this guy. He's just like, he's like a tall, lanky stick man. Weird dude. Like, just the 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 concept of the Protestant priest is very strange uh in this era in spain because mm-hmm. you know I, I guess it's post inquisition by 1840 but yeah y- you still had never had any protestant foothold in no. heavily catholic spain <laughs> yeah like every single person who sees this guy is like why are you even here what are you yeah. hoping to do get out I, everyone thinks he's a joke and he just like i, I I, I don't really get his deal either because it's not even that he's doing a whole lot of preaching. He's just going to town to town. He He's looking for people who will tolerate him for a little while at any given place, which is why he, he like bothers Benito. He starts following Benito in the forest. Yeah. Like, Oh, yeah. two of we get to walk together. I, I don't usually get someone to walk with and like, <laughs> Oh, great. <laughs> yeah. He, he, he comes in when they're in the middle of telling their werewolf story and yeah. they all go silent when he comes in. And he's like, Oh, come on guys. I want to hear a werewolf story. Yeah. And Benito's like falling as kind of like pretending to fall asleep. Like, uh, I do and don't want to hear the werewolf story. <laughs> to the, like the, the, the Mr. Show uh, story of Everest one. I'd like to hear a story. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so so basically it's this whole thing about, you know, it's a typical werewolf story. Uh, Werewolf attacks, they cut off the werewolf's leg, but oh, shock and horror, now the boy doesn't have a leg. Right. Uh, But it ends with them praying the werewolf away. 
Yeah, of course. Of and course. He, he leaves with like he leaves and the uh, the priest goes with him, right? Yeah, the priest starts following him. Tags along. Yeah, as he uh, mansplains lycanthropy to the werewolf. And that's <laughs> is that Robert? Uh Robert Robertino Robert? Roberto Robert um, I, I do have it written down because that's the only British actor in the movie. <laughs> so yeah, I, I have to assume Robertino, Robertino, or uh, maybe that's what they call him. Yeah, I mean, the, the in the credits, it's here, it just says Robert. Uh, oh, okay. but yeah, John Steiner, he's a Royal Shakespeare Company guy. Oh, um, he he does a great job of just being the insufferable arrogant well actually intellectual travelers like you and i would know that there is no such thing as a as a werewolf yeah and uh, there's this weird thing with the bible yeah i i think it's the bible that triggers uh benito's transformation this time transformation slash yeah. he kind of goes into a fugue overseeing it or you know i, I think this is where we get the flashback to his uh, him being on that religious procession and foaming yeah. at the mouth and falling over. And then I, I'm not clear on what exactly happens. We do see him having dropped the Bible and rain falling on it. Yeah, he he like he kind of goes into wolf mode and kind of tries to attack the priest, but I don't think the priest realizes he's being attacked because he just kind of runs away. He's like, hey, chill out, whatever. Yeah, I, I don't know. It doesn't really become any any big thing. Yeah, because when he sees him later, he's not like, hey, that's the guy who attacked me. He's like, oh, that's the weirdo. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's Benito. But he does also realize when uh, they, like, when everybody realizes, like, oh, shit, Benito's a werewolf, and we got to go deal with that, that they get it is like, oh, I might have some solutions to that. I think I know how what's going on with that guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, it is after here that we see his him in the procession, and it looks like he just gets heat stroke the way it's shot. Like he's looking yeah. up at the sun and it's super hot. Yeah, maybe, but <laughs> it, it is definitely treated as like a religious trauma and related oh, yeah. to him uh, having a, a specific aversion to religious iconography. Sort of feeds into his werewolf. Uh, mania i suppose yeah yeah because unlike most wolves his his isn't triggered by the moon at all and he most of his killings are usually in daylight yeah we meet uh don nicholas when he arrives and they do the whole like discreet talking through the fence thing but uh don nicholas's wife sees them and she suspects Benito. yeah is it the wife or is it the maid because there's that weird thing in the the store where well, so so the woman in the store the old lady is don nichols don nicholas's mother-in-law oh, okay the mother-in-law and the wife which means that yeah the other lady is her daughter which would make her right. his wife yeah so yeah. he's cheating on her with Pacucha. right sort of so, well yeah but he's like putting off he he keeps putting off going doing any kind of commitment right uh and benito's he's like okay i brought this to you but man i've got this huge fever 
please take me to the hospital. Uh, but I made sure to remember, I made sure to bring you this letter first. That's how trustworthy I am. Yeah. I, I, I think what, that's what just. I, 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 it does feel like um, uh, alibi padding kind of thing. Yeah. It's like, oh, let's just make sure that uh, I, I've got a really good rep here again. And then I got to go find a place to lie low, uh, to come down from my most recent from. I, I guess this is just from dealing with the religious issue, having to be yeah. with that priest and having to handle a Bible. Yeah, yeah. And he didn't uh, he didn't get to do the kill. So he didn't get to process it that way. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so he goes to the the doctor, and they're like, "Dude, nothing is wrong with you." Oh, by the way, uh, the guy who plays Don Nicholas, great name, Alfredo Mayo. <laughs> Good yes, name. I like that. Uh, I put Heinz Alfredo Mayo on my French fries. <laughs> yeah, I'm into that. <laughs> that, that that'd be all right. <laughs> so yeah, the the doctor who's just like, man. This is all in your head. There, there's just you, you got a, you got a problem. Maybe just generally a, a, a mind problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Don Nicholas comes to comes to see him in the hospital. It's like, okay, well, here's my letter for you to give to Pacucha. Basically, tell her uh, I love her, but I'm perfectly happy with the relationship the way it is right now. Yeah, I'm good with it just being. Uh, a pen pals thing a romantic pen pals thing yeah. it's it's perfectly satisfying to me at this time mm, yeah yeah well, why should i this way i can have my cake and eat it too i don't have to deal with the stress of a real relationship and exactly again yeah. th th this was not uncommon in this era mm -hmm. the, and, like this is even like a form of novel the epistolary Oh, okay. Where like uh, a novel is told between where you just have letters back and forth between people and the whole novel is just their letters back and forth. Oh shit, that's cool. It was like I... yeah, popular form of the Victorian era. I actually never I never knew about that. That's cool. I've read a few of those. They're it's mixed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bet. I mean Dracula is largely an epistolary. The, oh, the original Bram Stoker's Dracula. I did not know that. Yeah. Cool. Although it's like a bunch of different people's letters and sometimes diary entries. Right. Interesting. Yeah. I gotta I gotta read more books, man. I'm so <laughs> I so haven't done that in a long time. I uh majored in literature, so oh, cool. read some books. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so after being discharged slash kicked out of the hospital, uh, he decides to go to Don Nicholas's mother-in-law's dress shop to stock up on more wares for the next trip and to steal something that he is allowed to take but he decides to steal it just to i don't even know what he's doing here just to be i i like he, i'm trying to read his face here it, it it's so strange like he's, he seems compelled to it yeah, he like, wants to steal. It's like he is. It is a thing we see with a lot of uh, modern serial killers: is they get caught shoplifting because they just like to stick it to the man. They they have Robert to do Durst. their extra thing. Robert Durst did it. Yeah, stealing I don't the fucking know why sandwich. I did it, but it sure yeah. was stupid. 
and and th that's not even that uncommon like, it, it's a thing that happens and it, just a lot of them tend to just shoplift as an extra thing and yeah it's just extra weird here because he's allowed to take it he's supposed yeah. to take that and he's got a letter of uh, <laughs> uh like a property transfer or whatever from the dog yeah yeah but like but he wants to get caught yeah first he, he stuffs it in his coat um in very the most suspiciously <laughs> like he's got a big square shaped bulge in his coat now and then he's acting extra bonito <laughs> extra bonito that's perfect he, he's just like as bonito as he possibly can be and it's the two <laughs> people who we already know are kind of iffy on him and like yeah hey. well the one person like yeah stares daggers into him and she's right yeah she is right because uh, he she... drops music box well he's right she's right about this but then he has the fucking like well she like she tears into him and there's the whole thing and then he's like well i i have this letter that told me it doesn't explain why he decided to stuff it in his shirt suspiciously and then act like a weirdo before he left but she's maybe like all right like, i guess maybe it was a performative fuck you for making assumptions about me kind of thing well it is it definitely is that that's yeah. sort of his point in doing it but it's I, I mean again i i don't understand how he's built any sort of rep when he does this sort of thing yeah when know. he acts this way with people <laughs> yeah um yeah he basically says like yo Don Nicholas said I could do it, and he said I could do it in exchange for delivering this letter to Pacucha. And he gives them the letter that was intended for Pacucha. Right. Uh, which, of course, sends them into tears. And yeah, because that's, that's, yeah. yeah, that's him. Well, it's, it's him really burning bridges. I, I think he knows he's sort of headed into his berserker mode, and he's not going to be doing this a lot longer. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's he's ramping up. We see him take a couple more people very quickly. Yeah, yeah. He goes back to Avelina's place, and everyone's like, "Hey, you did such a good job uh, with Avelina. Why don't we finally send you her daughter?" And yeah, we'll, like, we'll send yeah. her her twelve year old daughter along. And he's like, "Oh, that's awesome! I, I can't wait for that." And then uh, it's like, "We'll we'll just send uh, the the grandma along too." Like, oh, I don't know about that, though. Yeah, he's like, uh, it's a hard <laughs> journey. I don't know if I can keep two people safe. Oh, sure you can. You're Benito. <laughs> and it's 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 not unlike him. I'm like, oh, uh, I, I'm sure I will get the pot of gold at the end. But uh, you, 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 I'm sure you could find someone better. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and ultimately, he can't find any way to weasel out of the grandmother going along too so he has to kill both of them yeah and it's harder because uh you gotta kill one silently or there's gonna be a fight and he doesn't and really succeed in doing he that does not succeed in doing that because as he's going as he's looking at the little girl looking at her legs and clearly getting turned on slash turned into wolf yeah, he's he's wolfing out. Uh, yeah. The the grandmother sees it, so he has to go after her, and then the girl sees that, so she's running. She gets lit on fire. She's yeah. like, it, it immediately made because she's got the the peasant garb on. She looks like 
uh, one of the peasants burning in the Trogador music video from uh, A Strong Bad. The yeah. burninating the peasants. <laughs> and she's the poor girl. Like, this is the 1800s. So I guess stop, drop, and roll wasn't commonly taught. So she's just running away from the fire that she is on. She's just burning and running. She she runs to a stream ultimately, but she uh, does not make it. She does not. She does, falls does down dead. Yeah. While uh, while he strangles the granny. Yeah. Uh, um, just a, a total mess. A oh, real yeah. berserker mode kind of moment. And then, not long after, like he he gets things just a little bit cleaned up, and then uh, the the youngest son shows up. Um. Uh, Miginios, yeah. the child of one of the people from that household. Yeah. Uh, they, they, there was a scene earlier where they were like, they have a friendship. It's like, oh, yeah. If you go out to the sea, the sea is so cool. There's just water as far as you could. He's telling them about the ocean. Right. And like they're building a relationship for that. So he's like, yeah, I thought I would come with you because, you know, I want to see the ocean and. Yeah, he's thrilled. He wants to see the ocean for the first time in his life. Uh, this, he's, you know, it's it's the little kid's dream of running away, and yeah. now he's got a he's good got a guardian. Bindle. And there's fr- there there's two other people who are going along. This is going to be the easiest journey. Yeah, he's shown oh, up with his bindle. road trip with, the and then he gets road trip with friends. Right, and he gets there, and just it's just Benito, which is already messed up, and Benito is in a dangerous mood. Yeah, Benito gets up, he's like, get the fuck out of here, kid. I'm gonna bash your head open with this rock. Seriously, go away. It's like, uh, all right. And he doesn't see the others, and he runs, and then Benito's like, uh, the the others aren't here because they're getting water or something. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. By the way, that's what you're wondering. That's why they're not here. So the kid immediately goes back to the priest, not the missionary, but the 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 grouchy the priest. Abbot. Yeah, yeah, the the abbot who just doesn't believe it for a second. Yeah, like, <laughs> like Benito. Benito I don't think is so. as good as gold. How dare you besmirch this man's good name? I understand why you would want to run away and join him because he rules. But fuck, man, no, it's, you are it's so, so full weird. Of shit. Well, and the, the the kid's like, okay, well, can you at least come back to my house so my dad doesn't beat me to death? And he's like, ah, that might happen. Uh, I'll come with you. We'll, <laughs> yeah. we'll we'll mend bridges. And obviously just this, the, the point being that all of these people being murdered and he's a witness and it's like, yeah, we're, we're just not even going to talk about that to anyone. Yeah. Yeah. So next he meets up with Pakucha again, who's just decided now it's like okay you're gonna take me to don nicholas and you can't get out of this and he's just like sigh right he well it's it's another uh victim he's already in just such a rampage and it's like okay i'm uh, not really having any come down time uh, yeah the, the space in between is just lessening and lessening and it, it's I, I guess part of the issue is that he was—he never delivered the letter that he was supposed to deliver. Yeah, yeah. Because he, he gave it to someone else. Yeah, he says to her, "Is like, oh, uh, I don't have a letter for you this time." It's, that's what makes her go, "Okay, that's it. I'm yeah. just gonna go." Yeah, it's like, well, uh, fine. I'm gonna go uh, tell him myself. You're gonna take me there. 
He was like, well, I guess so. I, I could kill another person. Yeah, he's uh, he's peeping on her singing and changing. And we just get a smash cut to the woods and a scream. Mm-hmm. That, like, just the perfectly paced murder. Yeah, we, we know exactly where it's going. We we get yeah. an idea of what he's what his point is. And again, it's at that stone circle. It's his yeah. his murder place. Mm-hmm. But then things are starting to catch up with him. Yeah, he runs into the tavern girl, uh Kiera, who sold the one with the shawl. And this is where he finds out that she sold it. Yeah, Ki- Kiruga. And he, she sold it to the one-eyed guy, and he's on to him. He's been talking to other people and is like, hey, uh, Benito had this. And like, Benito had this? And she he takes it to the priest yep. or the, the abbot. And the abbot's like, oh, maybe I got to go talk to that kid again. <laughs> yeah, he's like, okay, so you know how I almost beat the shit out of you when, uh, you, sus- when you told me you suspected Benito? I'm ready to listen to you now. Yeah, he's like, uh, tell me more about what you saw that day. You say uh, they weren't there, huh? <laughs> cool, yeah. Cool. Yeah, because uh, this guy came up to the abbot and is like, "Hey, so uh, you say that she's that he's supposed to be escorting uh, the granny and Teresa, but he's he's. Lumped. I also heard he's that he's supposed to be escorting Pacucha." But he's not even doing that. Yeah, he's not escorting anybody. None of those people have been seen anywhere. He's just on his own. So where do you figure those people are? And he's like, oh, oh, I might have heard something about that that I didn't uh, pass on to anyone. (laughs) So, yeah, it it very quickly develops that everybody realizes that Benito has been killing people. It it doesn't take a, a, a lot to find his trail. Yes, he's, he's he's not well protected, and the, the the missionary shows up, and he's like, "Oh well, I might have some ideas about catching him," because he freaks out with religious imagery. Yeah, like, okay, yeah, and it's soon it's fucking pitchforks and torches time. Real fucking holding pitchforks Classic. and torches, riding on their horses. Abbott's got a rifle. He's like, "I'm going hunting." And Benito fucking gets himself caught in a leg hold trap, of course. <laughs> he gets his ass snatched up in a bear trap. <laughs> As oh, I think the... a wolf trap. Oh, is I, it? I think oh. probably would be well, the that's idea. more appropriate. Yeah. So, the, the, you know, he comes on, he's, he's in this clearing and he's trapped in the thing and everybody shows up. They're like, oh... You've come hey to guys. help me from the trap, and they help him out of the trap. He's like, thanks you so much. So what's everyone doing here? <laughs> and the abbot holds they so they found, of course, his uh his crawl space, his uh yeah. murder temple. Yeah. And so the abbot holds in front of him the cross that the little girl wore. Right. And he just starts freaking out, like sobbing, and he kisses it, and that's kind of the end of the movie. Yeah, he he's uh he's cooked. He knows yeah. it. And then, you know, we know from the wiki that this guy goes on to claim lycanthropy in his defense and doesn't immediately get executed, but it doesn't take long. Yeah, yeah. I just thought it was hilarious because I had joked in the chat like, well, after the movie, the pope is going to come in and be like, "Hey, Benito didn't do it, man. Look at the guy's face. It's Benito. Come on." 
yeah, don't and you trust I'll... this guy? But then Queen Isabella. <laughs> Queen like... Isabella actually did that. Although it wasn't, you it gotta wasn't trust this like guy. That. It's it's like, I think we should study lycanthropy, though. <laughs> Which, I mean, it's it's 1850. I feel that. Yeah, it's like, sure. hey, we might have a real werewolf. Let's just make sure. Yeah, no, let's let's rule out all the possibilities. And then um, they test him a bit. And it's like, no, he's just an asshole. Let's kill <laughs> this guy. Yeah. And that's what they did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so even in the in the narrative, like even in the sh- the movie, the song that they sing at the end is like, oh, fate was unkind to him and made him be charged <laughs> with 11 murders that he did. It's weird. I, <laughs> it's I don't like, know. Yeah. That's very folk horror-y, though. <laughs> yeah, I just think it's funny because the movie version of the character committed 11 murders and we only see about four or five. Right, yeah. Well, I mean, we, we don't... We don't it, need it, to, this, but... These are the murders that we know he committed in real yeah. life. Yeah. And, of, of course, right, when, when the end credits come up first, it's, by the way, this is based on a true story, psych. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this yeah. wasn't a werewolf movie after all. Man, it's Silver Bullets wasn't a werewolf movie either. If, when was the last time we did one that really was Silver Bullet singular? That was one. I've, yeah, Silver Bullet. That was quite a long time ago. I don't that think was, we've done any other werewolf movies. I don't think we have. Hmm. But two fake out werewolf movies. I like it. Yeah, false werewolf movies. Um, I like it. I I like it. Benito Wolf or not. Benito and the actor who plays him great monster yeah it's a really excellent movie uh the atmosphere is pretty incredible uh the use of classic fucking old rural spain locations oh the locations are so good like when he comes to the town yeah you get just the town from a distance it's really awesome the forests uh, where he's got that shrine built you'd think it would be like this horrible looking thing but it's kind of beautiful it looks like a sort of place that you'd come across in a Pacific Northwest forest, and it would yeah. be sort of fucking give you the, some chills. Maybe. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's it's fucking cool. It's a really good folk horror, a more traditional folk horror than V was. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I, I like seeing all the different ways that you can do folk horror, because we've done so many now, they've all been completely different from one another. Even when some of them have played with some of the same concepts, because obviously V, the staying three nights and watching over the person, that was an element of Leptorica. And there was also the riding of the person I think we had in one of the other ones, too. I, I think believe. so. Uh, and obviously, this is, like, this is only three years after V, and it's just a totally different type of movie, even though they're yeah. both folk horror. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this this is really interesting genre, and it seems like there's a lot of stuff you can do with it that I never thought of. Yeah, it, it's fun because it, it sort of, because of the folk element, it kind of comments on the national uh, persona, like you're, you're examining the roots of your own culture and society uh, when you're looking at your folk tales. Mm-hmm. So, do you have any last thoughts on the Encinas Woods or uh, uh, El Bosque del Lobo uh, before we move on to part three? Um, yeah, 
listen to children when they tell you they witnessed a murder. They, they pro- probably aren't lying. I mean, they could be. Children could do lie, be. but at least listen. At <laughs> least, a, you know, don't just solid listen outright. Maybe like, don't say, how dare you even claim that you saw something? I'll murder you personally. Yeah, yeah. That's not really a good way to go. No. <laughs> Investigate. Just look into it a little bit. Hear him out. <laughs> mm-hmm. And we're back for part three, where we're talking about the other movies we've watched on physical media in the past week to decide what we're going to watch for a second feature next week. There's some interesting stuff on this list that I wasn't expecting to ever see. <laughs> <laughs> some oddities. So mm-hmm. first up, we've got the Dungeon Master. Uh I reject your reality and substitute my own. I, I used to DM or dungeon dungeon master for a D and D game. Certainly, certainly. I there is. Is this anything like that? Uh, um, no. Well, it's like okay. So there's this. This is the first movie in the Empire of Screens box from Arrow. Okay. And uh, Empire Pictures were this uh 80s studio they they didn't do a lot of films they, they, they're kind of a canon rival sort of a predecessor to full moon features uh you know the puppet master movies uh, it's full moon features and doll okay. man and stuff like that uh sorority babes i think oh, ended right. up being owned by full moon but maybe okay. it was an empire picture originally anyway the <laughs> this first one dungeon master it's it's like a crew track you know, like you get all of your best MCs, you get, you know, everyone in the Wu-Tang Clan shows up and everybody spits their fucking strongest verse. And it's like, we're showing up with the whole crew. We're going to give you all our energy. We're going to show you what we can do as a crew. Okay, cool. This, this is an Empire Pictures crew track. Uh, it's sort of an anthology film with like eight different directors. Oh, <laughs> so all right. So the concept is you've got this guy who is a computer whiz. He's, you know, the, the earliest version of the hacker man, right? Mm-hmm. He, he uh, goes up oh, to an, from 84. OK, yep. yeah, yeah. He goes up to an ATM and he's got like special glasses and he's got a mental link with his computer back home through some like previous experiment that is just sort of referred to him like, well, ever since you linked your brain with your computer, <laughs> you spend too much time with it and you're not spending enough time with me, your girlfriend. <laughs> Which, uh, a common problem in the 2020s. I mean, it happens. But this was 1984. So he actually had a brain link with it and he would like have chats with it. And like it, it, her complaint is in the context of them, uh, her, of him proposing marriage. She's like, well, I think you still spend too much time with your computers. Like, I'm trying to marry you right now. Would you chill out? <laughs> um, Only because you can't marry your computer, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, he's introduced with his trick glasses. He goes to an ATM and he, like, tilts his glasses cool enough that it gives him 20 bucks, you know? <laughs> this is a sort, of, uh, sort of world in which we're living. Uh, <laughs> <sighs> Uh, so, yeah, uh, this ancient evil wizard contacts him through his computer. <laughs> He's like, right. you seem to be a modern sort of wizard with your hacker skills. I challenge you to a series of challenges. Uh, you know, it, it, I'm going <laughs> to kidnap your girlfriend. He like 
clamps her to a rock and she's he has to rescue her in a series of different scenarios and each of those is directed by a different director okay okay uh the evil wizard is played by richard mall bull from night court all right <laughs> uh, and he's really playing it up <laughs> uh and yeah you just have a bunch of fucking weird different challenges in different genres like there's a slasher movie there's a uh, a uh, concert movie. He's at a wasp <laughs> concert. Uh, okay. You know they're they're evil and satanic because it's the eighties right. and they're heavy metal. Oh um, no! Right. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's it's bizarre. It's it's a bunch of different flavors. It's fun. Okay. Next, we've got White Lightning Road. Souped up cars and barnyard babes is one of the many things written on the poster. It's a busy, busy poster for a not very busy movie. <laughs> White Lightning Road. Uh, this is the next one in the Ormonds box uh, from Indicator. And oh, on the track, they drove like greased lightning. <laughs> greased lightning, indeed. So the the thing is, there it's it's sort of a rivalry between these two early stock car racers. Like we're, we're talking dirt tracks in the south exclusively so like the really early kind of gave me flashbacks of seeing uh crash to pass events and like a demolition derbies a western speedway in the early 80s and like my primal childhood that i can barely recall mm, okay uh but not much to the story you know they they are rivals on the track and they also run moonshine on the side both of them they're rivals at that uh it's kind of just a broad exploitation movie. You, you have a shotgun wedding in there somewhere because uh, one of the guys gets caught with the the trashy girl in the barn and the dad shows up with a shotgun and they have to get oh, married immediately. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's lightweight. There's not a whole lot to it. <laughs> okay. Uh, but, you know, I, I enjoyed the the races it's just these Orman films are not well made they are (laughs) very stock they this one especially it reminded me so much there's uh on mystery science theater there's a two-parter that they did of a chevy salesman training video called hired and this movie reminded me of that so much (laughs) which is not a compliment oh my (laughs) Although it did make me laugh. Uh, And next is another one from that set. Kind of just a special feature, rounding out the first disc. There's a pretty small amount of... like None of these films are very long. White Lightning Road is the longest of the bunch. Uh, The others are each like around an hour. Okay. Edge of Tomorrow, less than an hour. It was a TV special that they directed. Uh, And it is just... I, I sent you a bunch of clips from this. Oh, that's the, the UFO guy. <laughs> the, the UFO hoax guy who just seems so shady. How did anyone ever believe him? It doesn't seem <laughs> like he can even compose a sentence. How did he convince <laughs> anyone of anything? <laughs> uh, so, also, so, this movie is known as Live, Die, Repeat. Yeah, of course. It is not. That no, movie. no. Uh, that's a stu- I hate that. That's, that's, that became the title because it was a tagline. It was more prominent on the poster stupid uh, d- yeah i like keep having to remind myself like 
What's that Tom Cruise sci-fi Groundhog Day actually called? Good movie, though. Yeah, I liked it. I liked it a lot. I've seen it a few times. Yeah. But but sorry, this movie, this so, Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah, Edge of Tomorrow. It, it is this UFO fucking hoaxer guy who is just a complete idiot. He is uh, this Reinhold O. Schmidt. The, the interviewer just calls him Smitty. <laughs> just speaks to how low stakes this all is and i i don't know like i enjoyed the hell out of this one even though it is just proper garbage it is so lo-fi i it just there was a vibe to it that i really enjoyed uh it, it's just this guy trying to talk his way out of like well so why didn't she get a lie detector test and he's like oh well I, I, you know what that thing is but, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, i i well and and then you see but i felt that the government should pay me to take one and that they all of the people in the city government should take one too <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's like yeah, okay he like, but he, he says lie detector test like five times oh, in that one sentence yeah it just keeps going back to back uh yeah a very very fascinating individual a total garbage but it was just absolutely hilarious how at the end of it they have him swear on a bible and then the guy who's interviewing uh, lifts up the bible and shows that it says holy bible and gestures to it and like oh gives a face like he's he's swearing on a real bible look at that (laughs) right because that means something uh yeah fascinating i'm really enjoying the ormonds uh box it's it's ridiculous they're fucking terrible like the the filmmaking (laughs) is just garbage but fascinating stuff fascinating all right cool next we've got the broken mirror so this is uh i can't tell what's going on in this poster oh yeah it's a lady crying with blood it's blood so this is a french or maybe belgian film uh it's sort of got a lot of vertigo in it. Like it, it feels like it's sort of ruminating on Hitchcock's vertigo. Uh, with uh, it, it's got an obsession with spirals and trompe okay. l'oeil. Uh, uh, and it's this lady. She's pregnant, and she is a painting restorer. That's that's her job. All right. And she's having these flashbacks related to both stealing a painting from somewhere but she can't really recall what exactly happened or how this how it concluded she remembers she's having flashbacks of doing this theft but not exactly how it concluded or where things went from there and he's like something seems missing and she's very suspicious of everyone and her mother shows up and she's just so fucking obnoxious she's really wants to rule every element of the pregnancy and how they're doing things. And she's just, I, I want to go do my painting restoring. Please leave me alone. <laughs> uh, and she, she has these memories of this creepy painting where uh, someone is 69ing with a bird. Uh, okay. Okay. But violently, I guess. And it's in front oh, of well, this, this. I assume so. <laughs> and, and she like, this is the painting that she's restoring. And then, Maybe there's like a smuggling ring involved and there's this secret painting underneath the painting. And she's trying to remember where she got the painting. She goes back to the place where she kind of vaguely remembers maybe stealing it. And they're like, have you ever seen me before? I'm like, I don't think so. Uh, I don't know. It's it's hard to describe because it's more of a vibe than a movie. Uh, I loved it, but it's weird. Like, it's just sort of 
it's it's a it's a dream state more than a film. Oh, this is the one where you linked all the clips that's just like long 30 seconds of her walking from one side of the frame to another. Yeah, yeah. One of those someone tries to run over with a car and then she like walks up some steps and then the car is just sitting there for a minute and then the car drives away and it backs all the way down in alley for like a full minute and then she like walks over and looks and it's just peeping back or like just <laughs> backing around the corner finally and then it disappears and then she moves on it's like <laughs> it's it's a vibe i i really liked it but it's hard to describe that sounds interesting to watch i don't know how we would talk about it but <laughs> it's something interesting yeah yeah definitely uh, next, we've got Moments, which is the final film made by the Pemini organization. They made the three okay. or two and a half. You know, one of them is sort of a short film. Right. This one's kind of just two people again. It's a little bit more, but it's mostly just these two people. There's this guy. He goes back to Eastburn. It's a seaside vacation town in Britain. And he's there to kill himself. Uh, we don't learn for a while yet exactly why but he has lost his family and he just it doesn't really have anything else in his life so uh he's decided to kill himself and this uh, he has the gun to his head and suddenly there's a pounding on his door and this woman wants him to help her go on an adventure basically <laughs> okay <laughs> like oh, yeah come enjoy the night with me we'll we'll have a banquet and you know, obviously, she is trying to prevent him from killing himself. She has, mm -hmm. uh, it, it becomes clear later on that she saw him with the gun to his head from another window and ran to uh, swerve things in a different direction. And it's, it's kind of the manic pixie dream girl thing, except you see the desperation in her that she is really just trying to save this guy. <laughs> Uh, and also she's on the run from uh, a bad marriage as well. Right. So okay. That's why she's there. And it's kind of a thing that she's done. She kind of comes to this place and hooks up with guys, but here she is just on the run and she meets this guy and he's like, well, I guess I could try this to save this guy as a project. <laughs> Spring break. Woo. I mean, it's, it's, it's off season. So it's just that liminal reality of they're the only people in this huge grand hotel, like the one in Grand Budapest, you know? Oh, God. They're the only people there. It's glum. You know, it's it's gray, bad British weather at the seaside. Nice. Uh, yeah, it's it's a whole ass vibe, too. Uh, I had a okay. real vibes night with those two movies. <laughs> All right. Next, we got Raiders of the Lost Ark, first Indiana Jones movie. Oh, uh, this one, I know that I've seen the whole thing. I've seen bits and pieces of the other two, three, and uh, I don't know if I've actually seen the whole, either of those from start to, any of those three from start to finish. I'm, I'm sure you saw the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull in the theater I... with me, didn't you? Oh, fuck. Yeah. I'm pretty sure you I did. I totally did. You're right. Uh, but I I don't know if I've seen the other two start to finish, but I know I've seen this one. Yeah, this one's fucking great. It's easily the best. Uh, the other ones don't come anywhere fucking close, quite honestly. Uh, I mean, just punching Nazis. Nazis backing yeah. up into propellers like the man from the East. <laughs> yeah, and then it ends with uh, God smiting Nazis. Oh, they fucking melt and explode. It's incredible. 
And then the freaking incredible warehouse uh well shot really it's not even a scene. Yeah. That's, that's just like legendary. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. It's, it's a great movie, full of really cool uh action iconography and I, I do feel like it gets diluted with the sequels. I, I don't love any of the sequels. Uh, you know, I, I have some fondness for Temple. I never really got into Last Crusade. Never did anything for me. Uh, is this the one where the guy's got the sword and Indy shoots him? Yeah, because you know, Harrison Ford had diarrhea and just they, they <laughs> he couldn't he couldn't do the elaborate scene they had planned. Oh, so. so that... So that was just yeah. he he was really sick he he ate something bad on the set the other day they were all just drinking and partying this is early 80s and this was like the brat pack filmmakers yeah i he, love <laughs> he was wrecked so it's like i can't do it i can't do it today i love when the accident scene is better than what they planned yeah i mean who knows we we never saw it well but... Yeah. But this, but we saw this, and it was it's, awesome. Yeah, it's it's legendary too. <laughs> a good movie, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah it's a fucking I'm, classic. Been a long time since I've seen it. Next, we got "I'm Gonna Get You, Sucker," which is the Wayans Brothers black exploitation parody. Oh, okay, from 1988. Yeah, so like right before In Living Color, it's got basically everybody from In Living Color, other than Jim Carrey. Oh, right. He was in that. Holy fuck. He's Fire Marshal Bill. Uh, It's it's (laughs) (laughs) so-so. It's Uh, no Black Dynamite? No, it it really can't touch Black Dynamite. Uh, It's weird because it feels maybe too close to the source material at this point. And there's not much of a take. Uh, It's almost sort of an airplane-esque gag comedy that sort of is black exploitation centric and the the basic concept is these people are have are dying of og oh what does og stand for over gold see you're gonna have to explain that to me so we 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 encounter it at a crime scene there's this guy who's like under a sheet and the, the cop comes up it's like what is it and it's an og it's like ah another og and they pull it back, and the guy is just uh, cocooned in gold chains. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. That's pretty funny. So he's died of wearing so many gold chains, he's just kind of died. I don't know. It's, <laughs> he died. Gold, gold chains. can crush you. I guess. How is he getting Maybe. around with them to begin with? Uh, and it, we, we see, it, it's, it's a runner through the whole movie, is that... Uh, you know the addiction to gold chains mr big is pushing gold chains oh, cheap, man. <laughs> cheap crappy gold chains to the people uh oh no you know obviously uh and he's played by john vernon uh the dean from animal house i think <laughs> uh, the crusty yeah. old dean yeah the dean dean vernon wormer and he, i think he's <laughs> he's the mayor in dirty harry he's the asshole cop in killer clowns from outer space I mean, he he's a legend in this shit cool so yeah he's he's the guy and uh our, our main guy i, I think it's keenan ivory wayans gets uh a, a couple older dudes who like you know original classic gangsters you know i think you got jim brown you got isaac hayes isaac hayes himself 
Nice, nice. Uh, and Bernie Casey, I think, is the other one. He, he gets them as his army to back him up and go after Mr. Big. I don't know. It's it's hit and miss. Uh, one of my favorite gags is they all have their own theme music as a bunch of people playing the instruments following them around. <laughs> they yeah, do that a couple right. times, and that's pretty great. Uh, and at the very end, our main guy has gained his own theme music, and KRS-One does a rap about him, <laughs> which is pretty great. Uh, nice. And uh, Chris Rock has an incredible bit where he is this absolutely fucking bizarre customer at a rib shop. Okay. He's like, how much ribs? And he's like, well, they're three for whatever. He's like, how much for one? I'm like, one? <laughs> one rib! <laughs> he, he orders one rib and he, like, it's this whole long, bizarre runner and this guy trying to figure him out and he gets, like, the least amount possible. He wants a sample cup. He wants to just buy a sip of soda that, from someone's hand because he doesn't have to pay for a cup. <laughs> oh, like, completely otherworldly. There's nothing else quite like it in the movie, but that was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> that's that sounds fun i i guess one other that i really like is kim wayans has a cameo in the movie because all of the wayans are in it of course right and she's just doing this ridiculous bit because it's kind of a noir parody as well and she's at a nightclub and she is just doing this completely bizarre over-the-top song performance and you know we watch most of it and then someone's like who is she like it's the director's sister <laughs> it's like oh okay uh next we've got purani haveli the next one from the bollywood horror box from mondo macabro Ooh. uh this was a lot of fun uh as with the previous one the soundtrack is fucking banger it really rocks Oh my god, the synopsis, or like the little blurb on the letterbox is a full page long. <laughs> it's it's one of those, but honestly, there's not that much that's all that. It's You got some of the same people, you know, it's made by the same company. The thing is, you got this big evil monster who's in the basement. Okay. And he's trapped by a cross. You, you put a cross on top of a box and put him in the box. He can't get out. Christian iconography is what defeats him. Which is oh, interesting. unusual for a Bollywood picture. Yeah. Uh, over the over the opening credits, you just like I have a series of dour Jesuses and just this banging <laughs> fucking disco horror music. Awesome. Nice. Awesome. Uh, so there's that guy, and then there's this evil statue, the big giant statue that he possesses to attack people. Oh, okay. Okay. So the statue's doing the killing this time for the most part sometimes he is out and sometimes we have flashbacks to when he did get out and murder people like the, the we have a cold open where he does actually slay people uh this is this movie actually has a heck of a body count considerably uh compared to the previous one uh, oh. a bunch of people get killed off uh, oh, it's, nice. it's got kind of almost a slasher structure in that sense except the, the comedic guy, who I think it might even be the same guy who was the director <laughs> character in the previous one. Hitcock! I think it might have been Hitcock again. Uh, he, he goes to town one day, and he there's this guy who looks exactly like him, but he's the bandit leader. Oh, okay. 
and he just has this man crush on this guy who's himself who's played by him <laughs> and he's just oh he's so handsome and rugged and he, he's doing all these adventurous things and he keeps coming to town and seeing this guy and it's sort of a runner for a while he he shows up in town and watches the guy take a leak while other people are turned away and he's like oh <laughs> what magnificence and ultimately this story takes over the movie for like 40 minutes somehow <laughs> where the other guy ends up mask like this guy is supposed to be deposed and they throw him in a river and they think he's drowned so the but then the girl finds him and she decides to make him pretend to be the guy and it's like what weren't we watching a horror movie up until like 20 minutes ago what the hell's going on but yeah, you know, piranha was a romantic comedy and an action movie too I mean, there's always a blend. It's just that this one, it just completely gets taken over by this story for a significant patch. And it's like, what are we doing? Uh, <laughs> but I do like all of the other stuff quite a bit. And it's not even that I dislike that stuff. It's just like, it has nothing to do with anything. <laughs> well, that sounds, it still sounds fun. Yeah. I mean, it was a great time. Uh, next, we've got how to build a time machine. Oh, man, is he going to actually tell us? This is the same joke you made when uh, I, I mentioned it being added to the stacks. Fuck me. <laughs> I, I, I don't remember that at all, but okay. So, uh, I mean, I, as you said last week, <laughs> you have the memory of a goldfish. Do you remember saying that? <laughs> I do remember <laughs> saying that. All right. Uh, so hey, this one... It means, though, you don't have to keep up on the lore because <laughs> you I don't remember it either. Yeah, I can't. Usually. I have a deep recall. That's how I'm able to talk about 12 movies in a week. <laughs> yeah. I, mm. uh, so next, so How to Build a Time Machine, uh, it is a documentary. And it is, uh, it, it's sort of looking, it's talking about two guys mainly. There's this one dude who is building a replica of the 1960, I think it's 1960, maybe 1959 the time machine from like the hg wells time machine movie okay that that's the one where it's like a bathtub and some other stuff yeah sort of and it's it's got a chair and you got like a scepter and, and there's the whole wheel behind you and everything right yeah that one totally classic looking and he's building uh -huh. a replica of that because he has this really great memory of going to see it as a kid and it's one that just really stuck with him he's always really really loved the design of it uh cool. totally incredible quote from him where he's like i mean the original uh deadline was three months and then you know once three years passed there was no deadline at all <laughs> <laughs> it's like man i feel that feel that in my soul <laughs> um so it's it's talking about him talking about restoring then building that as as well as talking about the ideas of time travel, the concepts of time travel, why time travel is attractive. Okay. And that's sort of mixed with this other guy who is a theoretical physicist who actually studies time travel as a, as a potentially viable concept. But he is specifically studying it because his dad died when he was really young and he never got over it. Oh, so a kind of... Um... I'm going to study time travel, but it's, I'm going to try to bring my dad back to life sort of deal. His specific thing that he wants to do is he would like to be able to go back and see his dad and uh, tell him to take better care of his heart and to watch it and, you know, that he's worried about him, and etc. 
And he's okay. like, I know that that might split the timeline and then I'd never become a theoretical physicist, but I'm willing to trade that off. And it's just, it's his whole life is devoted to this one central concept. And he's like, no, I've never had kids because uh, I don't think I'd be able to uh, deal with it if they weren't as attached to me as I am to my dad. Oh, like, wow. Ooh, scary. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, but hmm. I mean, he knows it at least. So that's good. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's fascinating. It's just sort of a look at what it what drives people to become obsessed with time travel as a concept, with building time machines, both uh, as sort of a hobby, as a fake one, uh, a replica thing, as well as uh, just the the concept of uh, seeking time travel, looking into time travel as a concept, uh, and the 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 dude, the scientist comes to the party where the guy finally has built the time machine and everybody gets to take pictures with it that guy shows up and he is like moved to tears by it oh wow okay yeah, it's really interesting hmm. it's a strange one uh i mean it, it's a very emotional film uh, about time travel interesting all right um yeah okay that sounds interesting do they tell you how to build the machine though I mean, it, it shows how he <laughs> built the thing. <laughs> cool, cool. Shows him building it step by step. Yeah, it's it's like one of those, uh, uh, like a YouTube video where it's, oh, it really? shows someone doing a <laughs> DIY project, except uh, they add too much song to it. There's too much music to it. I prefer the YouTube videos where they just have ambient music or just the sound of the thing. But uh, maybe that's just my personal preference. <laughs> no, I think you're going to, I think I'm going to find... If I watch this, I think I'll find that I'll agree with you. Yeah. Uh, but we'll see. Next is The Good Son. There's some trash. <sighs> Classic trash. I mean, you must have seen this in the era, oh, right? Oh, I have Who? absolutely <laughs> seen this movie. I was like, man, Kevin's going to be a... Kevin. What happens if Kevin goes evil? I was so stoked for this movie. This movie was big. I mean, it was so heavily advertised. And, you know, I love mm-hmm. a killer kid movie. This is probably the first one I saw, so it always sticks with me. And of course, you got Elijah Wood there, who's the one who can act. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Macaulay Culkin. I mean, I, my, my, my realization watching it this last time is everybody else is playing a drama. Macaulay Culkin is playing a sketch comedy. <laughs> I haven't seen this since it was new. Because he is, he's so ridiculous with, <laughs> like, the, of course, the, if I let you go, you think you could fly uh, line, which is a total classic. And of course, when he's he's got his super bolt gun, and he shoots at a cat and misses, and, you know, it's the obvious thing where, uh, it's like, wow, that was a really great shot, because, you know, he told him just to scare the cat, it just misses and you know he he doesn't just say uh you know the the obvious thing under his breath he like does a turn to camera looks directly down the lens goes yeah i just gotta get the sights fixed (laughs) okay like it, it it, it's almost like a saturday night live parody of itself at times it, it feels like my favorite bit is definitely mr highway i remember mr highway <laughs> the, the funniest thing like mr highway is contemplating life and I, just that elijah wood has gotten all the way to them 
carrying this dummy up onto the edge of the the overpass and he's like wait you're going to drop it like what did you think he was going to do what what else were you thinking <laughs> well you know maybe it was uh um uh <laughs> instagram uh yeah uh 93 instagram uh yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's it's a stupid, stupid movie, but I, I, I still Sometimes laugh. Sometimes a child is just evil, and that's just how it is. Yeah, sure. He's, he's a bad kid. He's the bad seed. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's a misnomer, because he is not a good son. Well, Elijah Wood's the good son. Oh, but he's I, not on the poster. Although he's weird, because he also thinks that the spirit of his dead mom has become kevin's mom his aunt and now she's his real mom well um he's only there to stay for like a week while his dad is on some business in (laughs) japan too by the way i don't know why he couldn't have just like hung out inside and not been an outdoor kid for a week and it's like you're you're weird i'm i thanks no it ends with the mom holding both of them over a cliff and she has to make a fateful choice (laughs) it's incredible that's such a fucking ending uh, and Kevin, or I, I keep calling him Kevin. Fucking, yeah. uh, I don't know the character's name. I I did know the other night. I don't remember. Uh, <laughs> Who cares? It's Kevin. But he he's like, Mom, I love you, Mom, Mom, I love you, I love you, Mom, I love you, Mom. It's like, okay, I'm dropping you. There's something wrong with you. <laughs> and she had already found out that he killed the little brother too. Right, right. He drowned like around the newborn baby or something like i think he's supposed to be a two-year-old or something but yeah drowned the the youngest the year before Mm -hmm. i mean it is a trash movie but uh yeah i (laughs) i I do still laugh at it there are a lot of things that are funny about it uh this the director we've done other movies of his i think he directed the stepfather yeah oh yeah okay he directed the stepfather uh, I also recently watched his movie Sleeping with the Enemy, which was uh, kind of crap. <laughs> <laughs> he's, a, he's a trashy director. All right. Next, we've got Ravage, a uh, shot on video picture of Florida SOV1. Oh, another one of those. Another one of those. Another from that scene. A uh, little bit later on, this is like the mid '90s, I think, maybe late '90s. '97, uh, it looks 97. like. It's <laughs> so there's. It's like a cult of serial killers. Oh, <laughs> hmm. <laughs> you got a serial killer, and then he's got a bunch of disciples who are also out doing serial killings. This guy's whole family gets killed, and he is out for revenge. And so he's going to go get revenge against this cult of serial killers, which, I mean, it, it's hard to keep track of. By There's a lot of characters, and by the end, you just have this big abandoned building where everybody's running around with guns. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of people getting killed because you have tons of serial killers. And by this time, you've built up all these cop characters and other people who are uh, looking for revenge. And it's just, it's total chaos. <laughs> I think at the end, someone turns out to be someone's brother or something. I don't know. Oh my god, yes. Secret I, brother. I think there ends up being a secret brother. It it became really hard for me to keep track at a certain point in the movie. What was going on? 
And last example is, or last, last example, uh, last option is Low Sound Desert. Uh, this is a documentary. Oh, about the Californian desert music scene. Yeah, so like Fu Manchu and uh, especially Caius, who sort of adapted into Queens of the Stone Age, who you probably know. I do know Queens of the Stone Age. Yeah. None of these other names. Uh, Caius are fucking great. Uh, Josh Almy, Josh Hom, uh, Homme, whatever, uh, who's Queens of the Stone Age main guy, and he's, you know, he's he was in Caius. He's been in lots of other bands. Uh, he's sort of like the main guy in that scene, and then it's all these other stoned dudes in the desert whose bands got big because his band got big, sort of. <laughs> so there's not really a, a huge amount of cohesion to the sound of the scene. They tend to be really loud because they play out in the desert during windstorms and they needed to play really loud to play over the stuff. And also their speakers would get just totally destroyed by the blowing sand. So you just had to play really loud all the time. That's oh yeah. You got to turn it up to 11. Yeah. Uh, so it just gets really sludgy and the, everybody's really stoned. You're hanging out in fucking Palm Springs in the desert and there's not a lot to do. You're out in the middle of nowhere. You know, this, this is sort of their punk movement. Okay. Uh, I mean, interesting. The The thing is, it is not told in uh, fashion. It is, it's, there's not, it's not <laughs> linear. There's. It has a stoned reminiscence to it. You know, it's just oh. you, you talk to all of the people in the scene. Everyone's like, yeah, I mean, you know, and then things got big and there's no kind of through line to how things are arranged. It's just a bunch of people sharing all their reminiscences. And then we have music <laughs> stuff. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. Uh, fun. But uh, I couldn't say how the scene developed after having watched this movie. <laughs> oh, I know how well. it got big and how Rising Tide, uh, you know. All boats, etc. Hmm. <laughs> anyway, interesting. <laughs> so we got twelve picks there. Although I'd say Edge of Tomorrow, we would. I, I feel like the best way, if we were to do the Ormans, would just like do twenty-ish minutes each on the three main pictures on that disc, and then also some discussion of Edge of Tomorrow as a bonus. <laughs> you know that. None of them have a lot individually, but if we were to do those, that's kind of how I'd okay. recommend it. All right. Well, that that's certainly an, an option. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, the good son is so bad. <laughs> how does uh, yeah? How does Purani uh, Haveli compare to Virana? Like, is it better, worse, the same? I think Virana is overall better. Uh, I, I do feel like that comic subplot takes over so much that it really derails the last act because it's like you come back from the intermission and it becomes this comedy about this mistaken identity thing for a long time. And you're like, were we watching a monster movie? Did I come back from the wrong movie from this intermission in my oh, home? Kind of like if Virana had just spent 40 minutes on the romance subplot instead of four yeah or if it had been suddenly been hitcock's movie oh. within a movie where he's gonna oh. i'm researching locations now and that's what we're doing for this section of the movie and then he meets a oh. guy who looks like him and they hit uh, it off yeah, that doesn't sound fun <laughs> it, it really lost me for that period but otherwise okay. i really enjoyed it 
Hmm. All right. Like I did send you a bunch of clips of just the crazy stuff that's fun. Oh, oh, totally. Um, there's always the classic uh, Indiana Jones. Uh, I don't, man. I'm really torn this time. There's some fun options. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, but this time, I think has Ravage. I feel like I've seen the poster a lot. It's been on the main stacks for a long time, hasn't it? Or or like one of the other stacks, maybe a Halloween? It's been up for quite a while because uh, I started an SOV stack and I just haven't watched anything from it. And I finally was oh, like, okay. eh, let's let's watch that. And uh, yeah, hard to follow. And I'm going to say I don't remember a lot about it. <laughs> oh, really? Because um, hmm. okay. it just well, turns that's... into SOV chaos. There's people just shooting guns everywhere for like the past for the last like 40 minutes. All right. Um, you know what? I like I like your idea, and we've been kind of on a roll doing multiple short sections of movies at once. True. Uh, so why don't we do the, uh, what is it, White Lightning Road, Edge of Tomorrow, and others? Yeah, we, we could do the first disc of From Hollywood to Heaven, the lost and saved films of the Ormond family. So the lineup would be Untamed Mistress. Remember that one? Right, right. Okay. <laughs> so Untamed Mistress, where uh, we have a tribe of uh, ladies and gorillas. Oh, yeah. And uh, I mean, that one, we could probably talk about that very quickly because nothing happens to the last like five minutes of the movie. And most of it's just a bunch of dudes in a line talking about racist shit. <laughs> <laughs> All uh, right. Next is Please Don't Touch Me. Right, right. She can't have sex because she's like so traumatized for being touched like she, or something she was raped or maybe she wasn't raped and maybe she was attacked and then it was stopped before it became a rape and uh shit went really down. the problem is the mother let's have a history of hypnotism Oh. <laughs> oh, it's it's all over the place uh, it, it takes you different places white light and road of course uh race against yeah. and babes and such and uh edge of tomorrow is just a bonus feature um it's a, it's in the special features okay well yeah hey let's let's do that let's do the first disc from that uh from that box right on that'll be fun to dig into i think all of those can generate a, a small amount of a lot of fun things to talk about each <laughs> all right <laughs> I, I still think we should have if we had known, we I think it would have been cool if we'd done the Silver Bullets trilogy together. I liked uh, uh, I liked how we did it, though. Parceling them out. I think that worked pretty well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I, I liked what we did do. So we have, let's see, eight additions to the stacks. It's quite a Ooh. few. Not, not a lot. Yeah. I don't usually have quite so many moves. So first up is Dolls, which is the next one in the Empire of Screams box. Okay. Uh, obviously, Charles Band, the guy who went on to do Full Moon, you know, the Puppet Master movies, Killer Doll movies, Evil Bong movies. Uh, he has a thing for dolls. He likes dolls, so this is his pre-Full Moon dolls movie. Okay. Uh, you got this creepy house. I, I guess it's sort of an inn run by this kindly elderly couple, and it is just fucking filled with creepy dolls, just dolls everywhere. Hmm. And some people show up, and uh, the kids are cool, but the adults, uh, they don't like dolls, so the adults gotta go. <laughs> oh, oh, I see. Yeah. Uh, you know, killer dolls. Uh, yeah. 
next 40 acre feud which is uh the first one on the second disc of the ormonds box okay uh seems to be hee-haw oh <laughs> hee-haw before hee-haw existed it's a bunch of bands playing some country music in a barn and then uh you have sort of a vague comic subplot about uh sort of a romeo and juliet thing except backwoods right hmm. right and next up, uh, Unquiet Death, which is uh, the supplemental feature with uh, The Broken Mirror, another movie from the same director. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, again, sounds like just a weird vibe movie. Uh, this one's a few years earlier. It sounds a little bit more pop art. There's these three rich sisters who are visiting their uncle, and then he dies and uh it's just her the the three of them and the the uncle's manservant and at first they're like dominating the shit out of him and then for whatever reason suddenly they all like he suddenly becomes dominant and then they're just doing whatever he wants to do okay <laughs> i don't know it just turns into a whole weird sex thing and they'll be like yeah on the beach dancing covered in paint <laughs> Next, we've got The Grave, which is a right. late 90s or mid 90s video store kind of crap thing. Uh, it's this uh, there, there's these two prisoners who convince this guard to help them escape, and they're going off to hunt for treasure. All right. Hidden in a grave, obviously. Of course. Uh, it's from... a common place to hide a treasure. Yeah. From my understanding, a real Tales from the Crypt kind of vibe. Okay. Uh, next, the abominable Doctor Fives, fucking uh, Vincent Price classic. Oh, I've heard of this. I haven't seen it, but I have heard of it. Yeah, uh, Price's vibes or Fives. Uh, he's got a vibraphone, I think, or a giant organ. He can't talk, but he talks through speakers, and uh, uh I don't know exactly how, but. He 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 has a whole animatronic band, and it's this elaborate pop art crypt for his wife, and he's getting revenge for all the doctors who failed to save her because she died on an operating table. Oh, so he's I killing see. them uh, based on the plagues of Egypt, I believe. <laughs> oh, sure, it's pretty vague. You just have these elaborate, ridiculous murders that are very public take place, and then the bumbling cops show up and like, well, I can't believe he'd done it again. Hmm. <laughs> pretty fun next up is takana which is the next one in the bollywood horror box of course okay from my understanding oh yeah another one with a huge description although my understanding of this one is it's much more straightforward than the others and it's much more serious there's no comedic subplots in this one oh it's only 125 minutes yeah really short for this sort of thing just barely over two hours yeah so uh, there, there's this whole thing where uh, there's a Thakur and he's dying and he, uh, and he gives this the estate to the son that he loves, where there's the evil black magic practicing other son who is disowned. So he kidnaps the nieces, like his, the, 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 the children of his, you know, uh, golden child brother. Right. And then he's holding them in a dungeon but then i think he gets killed and then we jump forward 20 years and then uh 
uh, <laughs> I don't know. It you know, it becomes one of those where uh, it, it's 20 years later and he's haunting the place, I have to imagine. And it's this <laughs> evil temple kind of dungeon place. I think Takana means dungeon or something along those oh, lines. Oh, okay. Uh, next is Nightmares, which is one of the very early slashers from Australia. Oh, uh, there, there's this lady, and she's she slashes people. Uh, she, oh, when, nice. When she was a kid, she uh, caused a car accident that killed her mom because her mom was making out with the dude, and she freaked out and caused a car crash, and her mom died. And then, you know, it's years later. She's grown up, and she's a slasher. She's there, all right. She's in a play. There's there's a play going on, and uh, uh, she just starts slashing people. I guess. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and last edition is Lost Faith. I mentioned this one when we covered Killing Spree. This is another Florida SOV entry. <laughs> he lost his wife. He lost his patience. He lost his faith. This is a uh, Joel D. Winecoop, uh, our uh, kung fu or, or karate tv installation guy from killing spree oh cool cool so it's it's uh his directorial debut so yeah hmm. uh, uh he he loses his uh his his wife and his you know his hot model wife and all her super right. supermodel friends get kidnapped <laughs> by a white slavery ring so <laughs> it's up to him to, to save her with this cool martial arts um this this sounds killing spree-esque yeah sounds like a pretty good time awesome uh so what do you figure for our main feature next week uh you know i was thinking uh i'm i'm thinking why don't we finish the female prisoner scorpion box the series it is the last one right it is the finale. Uh, it's sometimes considered an unofficial one because it's the only one not, not directed by the original director. Right. Uh, so a female prisoner, Scorpion, number 701's grudge song. Right, right. She is once again on the run from the law. When will she ever not be? <laughs> How could she not be? How could she not be? She is She is against the law. Yeah. I mean, her her existence. I mean, the the law did it to her. It, it was yes. their fault to begin with. Uh, oh, she sure. turned her against them. Yeah. So yeah, she's uh, uh she's saved by an old classmate who works at a strip club, and oh. they realize they have a score to settle with a particular crooked cop. What a struck! You know, oh, nice. another crooked cop. Uh, oh, Nami man, has doubts she's... about ever trusting a man. Well, what do you figure? <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow, I can't imagine why. So I, I I guess the mutual friend or the the old friend is a dude, which is weird. I, oh. I guess there's like maybe a romantic subplot in that, which is odd. That seems odd. I I didn't see her as being. I I didn't. I didn't see her as being any kind of sexual after, like, I figured she'd be, you know, not liking dudes, you know? Yeah, and so this is her, I guess, trying to learn to trust a dude again. I mean, again, this is sort of the problem is this one is usually less loved and it's Mm. often less considered because, again, it's the only one that isn't by the original director who had a pretty strong concept for the whole series. Yeah, yeah, I'm just looking... 
even in the uh, image on the top on the letterbox page, her hat's not as cool. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I mean, but we can let's do it. Then we'll know. And yeah, worst we'll, case scenario, we saw three awesome movies. Yeah, we'll, we'll finish off the series. I'm sure there will be some fun stuff. She was our MVP this past year uh, uh-huh. in, in the Stacks Awards. So, yeah, next week, uh, Female Prisoners Scorpion number 701's Grudge Song, as well as we're going to cover the full disc one of uh, From Hollywood to Heaven, the lost and saved films of the Ormond family. That should be fun. And who knows? I might love the new director. You might. I might. We never know. Who knows? Uh, Let me see. Who is this guy? Let's see if I've seen anything by him real quick uh i i'm i i changed the screen uh where there we go yasaharu hasabe uh oh he did all the stray cat rock movies those are kind of fun i think those are maybe in this same stack okay uh there's retaliation which i've seen those pretty fun massacre gun those are pretty good i've seen some of his stuff i'd like some of his movies Okay, all right, all right. It looks like he's done a bunch of uh, my guy, Joe Shishido. It looks like he did a bunch of Joe Shishido movies. I love that dude. <laughs> uh, I don't know what you would have seen him in, but I, I'm a big fan of Joe Shishido. All right, cool. Anyway, uh, next week, uh, Female Prisoner Scorpion 701's Grudge Song and Untamed Mistress and Please Don't Touch Me and White Lightning Rose. And Edge of Tomorrow. What have I done to myself? <laughs> well, I, I think we don't I need... I think it'll be fine. Yeah, we don't really need to go deep into the plots of any of these movies, uh, such as they are. Will we be able to? I mean, if there's an amount of plot in White Lightning Road. <laughs> mm. <laughs> the other All ones, right. there really isn't. It's a concept <laughs> more than a plot. Okay. Uh, a lot of people looking at stock footage and then they're killed by men in gorilla suits and uh, <laughs> ladies with their titties out. Right, right. <laughs> what a thing. All right. Uh, so do you have any last thoughts before we close for this week? Um. Yes. This podcast was based on a true story about two people talking about movies. Uh, what a shock. <laughs>